Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the OC Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Bowles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And joining me tonight, as usual, is the Commissioner of the Podcast Legend, Jude Seymour, and the Chief Inspector, Brendan McAlinden. Happy Thanksgiving, fellas. I mean, I got I got really nothing else to to, to sideways this right off the bat, other than Happy Thanksgiving. I I am just ecstatic about eating more cranberry sauce than any human person should eat uh, because I friggin' love it. And uh, I'm ready to get it on, man. I'm ready to get Thanksgiving food eight and move on to Christmas. I'm, I'm just, I'm ready for the Christmas season. Right. Dude, how much thanks are you giving Mother Nature for dumping three feet of snow <laughs> on your house? Okay, first of all, <laughs> it was 4.8, okay? Jeepers. Oh, yes. Yeah, second of all, um, <laughs> I thought this podcast would just start with Josh yelling 45-42 at us. until <laughs> I thought that too. Uh, yeah. I, I was going to, I'm going to wait until the picks. Okay. To, right. to, to crown myself a new title of... Magus Supremus. Because uh, my chaos magic was on point. You fools. Well, I don't think your Utah chaos magic was on point. I don't think your Utah chaos Sh- magic came through. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The one I put the most. I mean, I'm not. I'm just. I mean, I'm pretty green, guys. I mean, I'm yes. not 75 year old mage here. It's very but green. I put, enough, I put enough power out into the universe to create that USC, UCLA. Result. I mean, shit, UCLA had four fucking turnovers and kept that game close. Yeah, DTR yeah. had a busted hand and couldn't couldn't do any, like, 
looked like I, I, I was unsure how they had scored as many points as they did in that first half. By the way, that, and yet uh, we've got USC fans chirping like crazy out there, like they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, oh my God, it's they're so fucking pathetic. That is a pathetic. They fan are list. amazing, and I am going to have nothing but nice things to say about them. Yes. All right. Well, we are here uh, again. This is we're doing another review preview show because uh, it's just that time of year, folks. I'm sorry. It's uh, we got a holiday season. Kids are doing things, jobs, fucking basketball and hockey. I mean, we got a full slate of stuff going on. Um, and so we did up the uh, the recording time tonight. I think Jude thinks it's so he gets a good night's sleep. But Brendan and I know it's because we need that much recording time probably to get through all the shit we need to get through in this pod. You're welcome, by the way, as you go outside and smoke uh, your state legalized weed to get away from your family at Thanksgiving. We got gonna, we got you. We got you. Put it in your you ears to avoid the politics talk between the uncle that really nobody understands why he still gets invited to the to the Thanksgiving melee. Uh Who's just way too excited about Trump reannouncing for 2024, and he just like, <laughs> shut up about it. And then, meanwhile, you know your um, how many stickers is on his truck? Your granola, your granola eating, uh, sister, you know, sister-in-law is uh, come off a hug in a tree, and she's uh, she's talking about she's how great the uh, you know the Dems did in the midterms, and how they're going to still control the Senate, and and it's just. You just you want us instead. You don't want that. You want us. Yeah, you do. You do. You absolutely want us. Uh, <laughs> you, you don't want. You don't want somebody. So free. You don't want somebody sparred sparred over Bernie Sanders and fucking uh, Marco Rubio. You just you don't want that. You're like here. <laughs> All right. Don't a pair of white rubber boots. I mean, I'm, who? I have to say this. This is politics. Because this, fa- this is fashion. Who the hell's job was it to tell DeSantis about the white boots? Like, somebody, that's somebody's job to say, you look like a fucking fool. Right, right. Do not okay, wear them. So, I won't say that this is exactly what happened here, but I've worked with politicians, right? I was a comms director for, for a congressional campaign and also worked for New York State Senator. Sometimes you can say things. Um, and they just kind of say, well, this is what I'm wearing. And you just say, okay, that's, that's certainly a choice. <laughs> you know, you can't but, do that, that on those. You have, but it's somebody like, had to stay on the ground there. I mean, what, what are you going to do? Tell DeSantis he can't wear his go-go boots. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's yes. Just, yeah. Yes. I mean, you, you need you to, make, you need to make it, it like worlds will end if he wears but, those. You need, to, Ron, you need to paint a picture. But Ron said, yo, these boots are made for walking, and that's what they are going to do. And one of these days, these boots are going to um, survey some hurricane damage all over you. I think that's how okay, that's so I, I won't say I won't say one way or another if I personally love DeSantis or personally hate him with every fiber of my being. But I will say I do kind of back the bulldozer being like, fuck it, I'm wearing these. As <laughs> atrocious as they may be. I do respect boldness 
Uh, to be honest with you, I think the problem was, and I know he's surveying hurricane damage, so you've got, you probably got water or whatever, but I think it's the tucking of the jeans into the white boots that's also probably. <laughs> I think you have, if you have I, rain I, you, boots, you've got to. I think you've got to though. You have you, to tuck. Because if he would have had, if he would have the jeans over those, then it looks like he's just wearing like spats. <laughs> that's an even worse look. Yeah, like, because what's right? the point of wearing, what's the point of rain, wearing rain boots if they're not untucked? Yeah, then you should just be wearing like the uh, like like this the little uh, the little covers. It gives him like look like he's wearing capris or something like that. It's just uh, I don't know. Um, it actually does. (laughs) I actually really wanted more short shorts and have it be like a Reno nine one one deal. But uh, I mean, the first politician that wears uh, that wears dad shorts out on the campaign trail, he's got my fucking vote or she, whatever. I mean, might they got my vote? I mean, they, he he did a he did a tour in Fallujah, right? So uh, he's definitely got that that crazy energy. I mean, go for it. I mean, whoever I'm just saying, whoever does it, it's got my vote. I don't even care what uh, letter is in front of their name. Maybe he should. They're bold. Put, maybe he should have put some like um, lifts on those things and and gone like full ABBA 1970s. Uh, you know, I mean, to top it off, like suspenders would have like made that like even better. Like just some like good, some good old fashioned red suspenders. Or although, well, oh. although I think the, I think people would have went uh, white supremacist uh, <laughs> uh, iconography uh, about it though. Shit, maybe not the red suspenders. <laughs> white white suspension boots. I don't know. I'm just going off of what I know. All right. Let's, let's get far, 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 far fucking away from politics uh, and, and get into the business of us being here. And part of that business is reading some reviews. Yay. Reminded everybody, get on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. Any review that you leave, we will read word for word on the next OFD podcast. We're looking for some specialness, some very specialness. Brendan, what kind of specialness are we looking for? Uh, we are looking for earned Julian Love five star reviews. So we might not, we might not uh, have you initially, but uh, we hope over the course of our our seasons uh, of listening that uh, we earn that fifth star. They're about to be fucking Benjamin Morrison five stars if uh, oh. if the trajectory stays the same. Uh, why, it, honestly, why has Pete not? Pete Sampson not gone back to his high school and found somebody who was who believes that Benjamin Morrison is the star and put the put the curse on him. I just, hey, listen, like there's something about Benjamin Morrison. I think he is a magician too. I think he has a spell, like a protection spell for people not to hype him up too much. I mean, think about that recruiting class. He was he was beyond an afterthought, and most people like nobody brought him up. And this is a four-star cornerback, which Notre Dame has struggled recruiting uh, over the years. And it was just kind of like a – it's a nice thing that, you know, Benjamin Morrison's in this class. You know, he didn't enroll early. There wasn't the spring hype. It's just – I it, it was – it's been very – it's been a very strange yet awesomely satisfying rise to watch awesome. for a guy. Because, because there just seemed to be this lack of hype for someone who – it's just been so obviously fantastic uh, this season. So 
I don't know, man. I like, you know, uh, look. He's a, he's I know a magician. He's a fucking magician. I like it's kind of cheesy, but I love that he said that he called his mom before the Clemson game and, and noted to her that his first interception in any kind of, like, organized football was against a team named Clemson or the Tigers. I can't remember what it was. But, like, just just the idea that, like, he saw the parallels there and, you know, and, was, and you know. It, well, he said in the he said in the presser that – um, it was before he he didn't even really play defense in high school, right? It was it was all right. he and that he was a running back. He was a running back, and that could speak a little bit to the the lack of hype coming in. And really, it was his first multi pick game was the Clemson game of his entire life. But he did. But he didn't say it though, and he got me in trouble for that. His humbleness got me in trouble because when the question was asked, it was asked about multi interception games. And he's like, I've never really had them before. And the way he answered it, you know, without t- mentioning Clemson, made me forget Clemson. So he cast a spell on me. And so when I tweet out something fun and funny, and everyone wants to point out the Clemson game, when I, <laughs> and I'm still getting mentions, uh, <laughs> trying to correct me, even after. I mean, we uh, were there. there. <laughs> we were there. I was mesmerized. Yeah. He, he, he fucking, he put the spell on me. And I believed every word he said about that being his first time. He doesn't care. Benjamin Mercer will give a shit. He's just going out there to do his job. If he gets one interception or five interceptions, what the fuck does he care? He's going out there, do his job, do it, get his team right. Yeah, I mean, he led Boston yeah, I love, College. I love, I love, he led Boston I love, I love College at red zone targets, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was their best receiver. <laughs> Emmett Moorhead found him three times. It was uh, probably the leading receiver, right? Uh, it, it was damn close. I I know I tweeted that out after I think his second interception. Like, oh my god, Ben Ben Morrison's the best wide receiver BC has out there. Funny. Then he had a third one. That's just crazy. That's just absolutely nuts. Actually, did did Moorhead throw all three, or did the, one of the, the backup throw one of those? No, it was all Moorhead. No, all Moorhead. All, all right. Moorhead. All right, well, let's get to the reviews. <clears throat> and so, I'm a, a little prelude to this one. Uh, this one is from Kathleen Kiefer, uh, who goes by by Binker111. I lo- kind of love that uh, on the Apple Podcast uh, usernames. Uh, just. We didn't mention in the last podcast, and I kind of felt bad about that, but because uh, it's, it's kind of done. But she's got a great contest going on right now. Maybe you, uh, maybe you were a part of it uh, for this awesome painting she has of the post Clemson madness. It's freaking awesome. Uh, and Brendan and Jude and I are we're, we're the men on this one. We get to pick out uh, who wins this contest uh, with a one, two, and three. And I can tell you. Before we started recording tonight, we chose our top three, so we got that. I'm sending that over to to Miss Kiefer to uh, for her to announce whenever she plans on doing it. Uh, but like I said, there was some really good names in there. Uh, if you if you sent one in, there were some really cheesy names in there. Uh, <laughs> there were some really long winded uh, names in there. Uh, but I know she really appreciates uh, you guys sending all that in. I appreciate it because uh, part of the deal was you had to follow. Uh, one foot down on, uh, on Instagram or Twitter or whatever and, uh, listen to the podcast. So I appreciate that. So if you've sent one in, it's done. We got it judged. We're sending it over to Miss Kiefer and then she will announce it at her, uh, at her discretion, whatever that is. But it's a great painting. It's absolutely fantastic. And just like m- much of her stuff, I mean, all of her stuff is just awesome. So check it out. All right. So. Continuing yeah. on here with her, with her just review. real quick, KathleenKiefer.com, if I recall correctly, right? KathleenKiefer.com? 
for the paintings. Yes. I didn't mean yep. push up. Uh, Kathleen Kiefer Art. No, oh, it's just KathleenKiefer.com. Okay, okay. Yeah. Good call, Arjun. It, uh, better, better the plugs than I am. She, uh, she made one of the, uh, the rivalry trophies and, uh, we were lucky enough to get a print and, um, it hung in my office until unfortunately if uh, I didn't, I didn't hang it well enough and, and the glass broke. So I needed to replace the glass, but the, the print is thankfully untouched. And, um, I just absolutely love it because she put this little, uh, unfortunately we don't own it right now. This little, uh, dollop of, uh, <laughs> red Gatorade. <laughs> yeah. The legends trophy, which that was a nice callback to, uh, what Kelly used to do to those trophies. So, um, yeah, definitely check out Kat, uh, Kathleen's stuff. Um, I mean, besides the Notre Dame stuff, she's got a lot of good, uh, like California stuff too. So if you're into, if you're just looking for, for good artwork, um, whether Notre Dame related or sort of like, you know, just a vibe of, you know, maybe West Coast or whatever, um, Kathleen's got some really good stuff. So it, definitely it's definitely it. a vibe. Yeah. Just like this review. Here we go. Go. One foot down is funny and smart and informative. It's like therapy for my neurotic Notre Dame fan syndrome. It makes me more amusing guests at tailgates. Josh, Brennan, and Jude constantly inspire new paintings. For example, on your last podcast, Golden Tate with Wings. Pure genius. It's on the easel now. Other examples are, that's awesome. Pure, are, uh, other examples are Clashmore Mike and Retro Rockets. I'm always happy when I see you posting a new podcast, The Trifecta. Quality plus quantity plus unpredictability. Podcast that inspires art. Your post clubs and podcast really captured the feeling of, eufor- of euphoria. And yes, even a word as big as love we experienced on the field after the game. Absolutely. Sharing that epic and decisive victory with the team and friends is an unforgettable Notre Dame memory. Your words definitely inspired me to capture that moment in a painting. That's why I chose the one foot down team to be the judges in my latest name, the painting contest. Go Irish, your fan, Kathleen Keefe. Love it. Love it. Thank you for that review, Kathleen. Because we, we were fucking professional. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> only, only pros can do this. Um, next review here from Orange Cat 57 Five stars. Surprisingly good. A total sausage fest, but a pretty good ND pod. And that is all. <clears throat> that is factually correct. That is, that is factually. That is. By the way, this reminds me, are we ever going to execute on the long, uh, well, maybe this is just my idea that you guys never really bought into. I thought the perfect, uh, Christmas time podcast, besides the obvious replay of the Y Bowl, is to get our wives together to drop a surprise, uh, Real Housewives recap. Uh, and they can talk about all the little ancillary shows that they watch. And it would be funny because they don't know each other, but they also have, their absolute love of Real Housewives. Uh, I honestly just don't think I can talk my wife into it. I <laughs> talked to her about it. I've tried. I've tried to get her just to come on just straight up before. That's like, funny. Just come in here, and sit down. I'm like, bullshit. We'll share the earbuds. You can Kiki, say whatever you got to fucking say. You. We 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 don't bite. We promise. We'll be fine. I'll I will I will broach the topic with her one more time. I'll get her drunk. <laughs> we'll just get her drunk. I. I, and then, I, I, I bet. And then I am not responsible for anything that comes out of her mouth uh, once that happens. I was actually surprised at how quickly my wife said yes. Like, you know you'll be talking to two people you don't know, right? 
Yeah, but you'll be talking about Real Housewives at Beverly Hills. Come yeah. on, man. Yeah. I mean, she's the she's really been into the uh, married with medicine lately. Yeah, my wife. Married wife. to medicine or whatever. Yeah. And I liked uh, Below Deck. I, I watched like the first season or two just because I thought it was, it was a little entertaining. She's gone on the next level. She's like to watch like, and then I stopped. She's watched all these seasons. So she's had like Married to Medicine and Below Deck on a lot. Something about Housewives pissed her off. She still watches. Do not get do not get it twisted. She is still watching every single one. But something pissed her off, and I can't remember exactly what it was. But see, right there, that'd be a good thing for them to talk about. Why? Why do you want to be mad at these grandmas who call themselves housewives? Divorced Almost grandmothers. Divorced grandmothers. That's a good way of putting it. Or uh, how about just spinsters? The real spinsters of France. Uh, France going back. How about? She's watching the uh, she's watching the Wag series that they got canceled five years ago. It's on Peacock. Mm. Women and girlfriends. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. How about motherfuckers with too much money? <laughs> I don't think you can have too much money. I mean, I mean maybe you do, maybe you can if it, if it leads to like that kind of nonsense because that doesn't seem healthy. Listen, you don't need to have that much money to have that kind of nonsense. You mean you, you do not shit and have that kind of nonsense, not, man? That's uh, what, what, that's uh, like the old, the uh, TikTok what? meme. What's uh, what's uh, what's trashy if you're poor and classy if you're rich? Yeah, I mean. White claw. <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah. White claw Pretty right much. Uh, yeah, I mean, day, day they're, they're, just, they're just battling it out. I mean, good football is good football, and good trash is good trash. Doesn't matter how much. I mean, I love my action. Doesn't mean I can't love SEC football and some high level football too. But I like my action too. So uh, doesn't doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you guys, I'm right. I've, I'm sure you guys follow Brad Powers on on Twitter. Uh, he's kind of a cat, oh, yeah. also a Notre Dame fan. And he's like, look, you all can have your, you know, Tennessee Alabama game. He's like, for my money, the best game was that snowball game that we all watched together. What was it? Was it last Tuesday? Central Western. Yeah. Central Western. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That game was. It looked beautiful, but um, Brad Powers game was trash. Not not just because <laughs> not just because Western won. What but, was uh, <laughs> the fourth was the quarter was unplayable? Close. What was the one? Was it Bowling Green two weeks ago? That was a good game, right? That was a good game, yeah. Yeah, maybe he was talking about that one. So no, no, no. I mean, yeah, it was aesthetic. A- the aesthetics of the central uh, central western game. It was the most gorgeous. Like the Notre Dame, the the third quarter of the Notre Dame game was when it was a snow globe. Yeah. Was beautiful, um, and that was the entire central western game. It was absolutely yeah, beautiful, pretty much. But football could not be played in that weather. <laughs> I don't know if I, to, I don't know if I told you guys about this, but, um, the over under for the fourth quarter for the Notre Dame Boston College game was 5.5. Oh, and I was yeah. like, could you really bet the under on this? 5.5 points? Like, after Notre Dame had scored so many points, but sure enough. The- all I, all I know is I, I saw you mentioned tweet. All of his, just, like- he keeps, he keeps going back. Well, how many bets did you play? Seven? Oh God. Yeah. It was, it was obnoxious. Well, first of all, <laughs> Um, when I said BC plus 43 and a half is free money, like I honestly believed at that point it was free money. Like I was like, there's just no way that BC won't score like a point. Wait. A point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's been what? Since 2014? Michigan? Well, and it just, I saw what Notre Dame had done against Navy the, the week prior. And I thought to myself, 
you know, this is, this is one of those deals where they'll get up, you know, whatever, 52 nothing or whatever, and they'll give up a, a stupid touchdown or two touchdowns or whatever, and it'll be like 52-14, and I'll be like, all right, that was a cover, you know, for, for what I, for what I bet. Uh, no, no, that was not right. But <laughs> the good news was that DraftKings got up to 48 and a half, and I was able to, to at that point, I was like, I was, I was, uh, what the, what the gamblers would call on tilt. And so then I was just throwing money at it. I was just like, look, I'm either going to blow all my bankroll on this one game or I'm actually going to make some money back here. So, um, yeah, don't take, don't, don't do it the way that I did it. But, uh, at some point it does get to the point where it's just like, all right, well, nobody's not going to score 52 points without BC scoring ones, are they? And I think they actually would have had the snow not come. I think the snow really, um, Slow it down. Oh, really yeah. oh yeah. Well, we, when we get to the uh, review, which will be short, uh, that will be uh, a theme. <laughs> How bad that they got. Uh, let me finish up this review though. Last one here uh, from Charlie Weiss Burner, five stars. We're just lucky Phil didn't play. We wouldn't have been able to handle that smoke. <laughs> Yo, look. I think the best best decision Phil Dracovic. Well, that's a good. That's a good lead in. I think that's the best de- best decision Phil Dracovic made all weekend was not actually playing the game. It was turning off the comments on that Instagram post. Honestly, think that that saved him uh, literally getting uh, just absolutely torched because because he's a fucking coward. Well, that's that's he's he's he stood out there and was launching grenades at an institution that will never fucking clap back. Right. At, and none of the none of the athletes on the team will clap back. Nobody's clapping back. He's just trying to get. He's getting every little last bit of dick. And dude, it's been three fucking years, brah. Well, you like, know what? That's all you. That's all you have when you didn't. You didn't realize any of your dreams, right? None right. of your dreams. He's Chris Quinn with special water. He's had what, two shots. Didn't he? He potentially had two cracks at his former team, right? Yeah. Potentially, yeah. And he, his team went 0 for 2. And his team was so shitty on the second attempt. His team was so bad on the second attempt that they couldn't keep him upright enough to complete his season of football. He went to an institution that was so awful, so deplorably bad, that it couldn't keep him healthy because he kept getting repeatedly hit by other teams. You know what, though, Brendan? He but got his, on the field. But his girlfriend's there. And he he would did never, get on the field. And his girlfriend's the there. He would have never seen the field. And I, and I hope... But it, no, I that's hope, that's bullshit. He would have saw the field in, in 21. He would have saw it because he, he would have saw the field I in 21 and 22. I, I almost oh, I bet... I don't agree. I don't agree. I think Buckner would have I think Buckner would have been the guy. Because last, Buckner, no, last year. 21? Last year. So they probably don't bring in... Oh, Cone. sorry. No, no, you're 21. I'm no, right. You don't bring... Oh, they don't bring in Cone? Is that what you're saying? They don't bring yeah, in Cone? Yeah, be they easy. don't bring in Cone. Okay. Yeah, they, they would, ro- no, they would roll with Phil. PJ never had Buckner. <laughs> PJ never had No, no. No. Like, I think they, uh, uh, honestly, I think there's a non-zero chance that they look at what he, what he's bringing to the table and they're like, we, we gotta go to the transfer portal. Like, we can't, we can't go a whole season with this dude. I was under the impression that he was the single best recruit coming out of his recruiting class. Oh, absolutely. And, the head and coach of our, our of a football people, uh, people, oh my god, the, so 
what what I did was I took his stats and I took Brandon Wimbush's stats and they were like eerily similar for for high school. Um, Brandon had fewer rushing touchdowns as you probably would imagine or whatever, but like the numbers are just the numbers were very like just like shockingly similar. And I just said, who do you like, quarterback A or quarterback B? And now most people picked Djokovic just because the rushing touchdowns were better or whatever. But I was like, it's not – it's a hard choice, right? And I said, you're choosing between Brandon Woodbush, the guy you know right now, and you right. know that he's not the guy, and Phil Djokovic. So, like, what about his high school stats makes you so sure he's going to thrive at Notre Dame? And everyone's like, no, you got to watch the film. He runs down the field. Like, It's like, look – I get it. You you remember me? I was the guy who was like, we can't run Phil Djokovic off. Like the Ian Book like has to leave, and you know what I mean. Like I was the dude in 2020 that was definitely afraid. Yeah, I had to get you, I had to get you turned around. I had to get you turned around on that one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, I I own that, right? But at the same right. time, like I just no one is ever more popular than the dude who played, the dude who lit up his, his high school, right? And, and Tyler Buckner was the same exact way. I mean, people talking about, like, and I and I tweeted this, you know, two years ago, and so it, it was funny because I got, you know, Time Hopper reminded me of it. Like, I'm sitting there sweating about Tyler Buckner, uh, about Phil Dracovic leaving, and some guy's like, we don't even need Drew Pine. Like, we got, we got Tyler Buckner. And, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like, we've just, both of those takes aged horribly, right? And, and this is just a good reminder of, um, we said this in the last podcast. You look at Ian Book and you think, okay, great, whatever. You know what I mean? You look at Tommy Reese and you're just like, okay, yeah, all right, whatever. Um, and it was the guys like Dane Christ and, Maybe Everett Golson and all those guys we just fucking drooled over. And, um, you know, not only do a lot of them not pan out, but so far our record is pretty undefeated about you leaving Notre Dame as a quarterback and not doing shit anywhere else. And I think that's important too, which is nothing's worse than seeing your ex girlfriend lighten it up in the, say, SEC, right? Right. Which maybe makes it, maybe makes the commitment of, uh, Quarterback Kenny Minchie a little nicer because he's he was he's like around the thirteenth, fifteenth ranked quarterback, depending on the service. Um we, we talked about this before. I uh I love the the ESPN ranking Golden Tate, Pope John Paul II high school combination. But I mean it's like I Tyler Jameson today, like if you're looking for a comparison, you know, Deshaun Kaiser's it. I like that comparison. I mean because I liked Kaiser. I mean I that was just kind of like a, a not even lost in the shuffle. Just like people didn't really even think about Kaiser at all until he had to come in, dude. Kaiser, and then it's like now we're, Kaiser had the, and now like, we talk about right, and now we talk about Kaiser. Like if Kaiser would have been the quarterback in 2017, we win the national championship. Well, yeah, if you had a quarterback that could complete more people, than forty nine percent, still jump in my mentions. Like when I said. When somebody said it was a Fortuna who said like, "Oh, Manti Teo um, and Michael Mayer, the best two uh, players in the last like ten years or whatever," he said, and and I just said, "Well, you know, just for argument's sake, just throwing it out there, like, you know, we did just have the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history, like leave the campus." And people were like, people jumped to the mentions and were like, "Book sucks," and Kaiser was better, and I was like, "Okay, that's certainly a take," you know. It's just like. Um, the constant disrespect and then the, also the revisionist history about Deshaun Kaiser is just, is fascinating to me. How many four and eight seasons did, uh, did, <laughs> did Ian Book no, have? Brendan, that's a great question. I think the answer is zero. 
think the answer is zero. Yeah, because that's the thing I always have with with Deshaun Kaiser is for all of the skill and stuff, he still bailed on the team after going four and eight. Four and eight. Yeah, exactly. You like after being named a captain in for the next season in December. You remember that move? I'll tell you what. I still announced captain in December. I think there was too many people that told Deshaun Kaiser he was guaranteed to go in that first round. And had he known he was going in the second round and being picked by the Browns, he, I think he would have stayed. Would have stayed. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, I know we hate Brian Kelly, right? Like, at least that's the, the company line we're all supposed to, supposed to tote. And you can say whatever you will about, the way, the way Kelly handled Kaiser in that situation, but he absolutely 100% told the fucking truth. Yeah, he I needed had, another year, and he wasn't wrong. Reach out to me, and they're like, "Wow, why is he trying to submarine his own quarterback?" I said, "He's telling you the truth. Like that's what you want. That's what you guys always say. Like, oh, I don't want these guys to blow sunshine and rainbows." Because Davo Swinney would be like, uh, "This is the best quarterback I've ever seen in my life," or whatever, right? And he's like, he's like talking about Kelly Bryant or something. You're just like, so okay. what? If, what if Brian Kelly goes out there and 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 talks to Sean Kaiser about like he's the next? Joe Montana before the draft, then, and then, then the same Brian, shit happens. Then Brian Kelly loses his. But record. then you got. But then are the, the scouts right? Don't and that hurts. Yeah, that hurts other players. And we're not yeah. just talking about first rounders. We're talking about guys that 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 instead of the sixth round, they're this took scout, in the third round because just just think of all the just, just think of all of the QB recruits that Brian Kelly would have lost out on <laughs> if he would have talked him up. You know, he would have lost out on. Uh, uh, Hunter Frank Johnson Clark and um, uh, uh, Drew Pines, TV and Jelly. I mean, it, it just it, it would have been cascading uh, the effects of, of. I mean, I just I like if we're going to do revisionist history, I still want to know what uh, Amon Ra St. Brown and Ian Book could have been like. You know what I mean? Because. You know, allegedly Amon Ra's parents didn't want him to go to Notre Dame because Brandon Wimbush was going to be throwing to him, right? But that that lasted all. Three. Well, and they, and they, and they liked uh, uh, what's his nuts, uh, his high school quarterback going to USC, his classmate, which because which like, didn't last very long. Yeah, that that stuff never like what is it forty something forty three percent of five star QBs always transfer at least once, right? JT it's, Daniels right. is still in college, and the Monroe St. Brown is in his second year with the Lions. Yeah, I mean, right. it's, yep. it's ridiculous. So, and yeah. Amon Ra, I mean, truth be told, Amon Ra was going to have a career wherever he went. Oh, absolutely. Didn't matter who was quarterback. Yeah. He yeah. he competed on every play. That dude was a fucking beast. Absolute I mean, beast. I, I, I thought he was great. That killed me about My- Michael Mayer not being named to the Belintikoff Award. It's like, do you understand who's throwing to him? Do you understand? I, I mean, I understand it's his favorite <laughs> target. But, like, do you understand, like, the degree of difficulty that this guy has gone through to get what where he's gotten in terms of the, the catches, <laughs> yards, and, and the touchdowns? The most ridiculous part about Michael Mayer's stat line to that decreed you, I'm like, you're spot on. Where do tight ends generally in the sport of football make their hay? It's in the middle of the field, right? Yeah, absolutely. Drew Pine can't throw to the middle of the field. He physically cannot. cannot. It gets batted at the line of scrimmage almost every time he tries or he to do it. Or he overthrows the dude by 15 yards easy, right? Yeah, well, that's, that's yeah. the sideline stuff. He can't even... Um, I, if if somebody's got the stats on Drew Pine throwing to you know how uh, ESPN will uh, put out the, the spray chart for quarterbacks, his yeah. spray chart for the middle of the field has got, got to be the most abysmal stat line that you've ever seen. Yeah, talk amongst yourselves. Not good. 
sure PFF has it, and I'll look it up, and we'll have a good laugh about it. But yeah, we'll you could cry about it. I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. All right. Well, well, what I, while you're looking that up, I am going to just kind of wrap this up because this was just supposed to be a, a hey, Notre Dame got their 2023 quarterback. So I just want to say, look, number one, this is fucking awesome because number one, Pat Narduzzi, love it, absolutely love it. There's just it's just one more one more log on the fire. Uh, for, for Narduzzi's hate towards Notre Dame. So it's only going to make him that much crankier when he has to talk about Notre Dame, uh, which means he is going to spit that much more BS. Love it. Um, I like Kenny Minchie. Look, he is not, uh, Dante Moore. I'm not going to try to sell him up like he's a top five star kid, but he's a good quarterback. And look, Notre Dame was in need of a quarterback in this class. That's absolutely CJ Carr, who I did, uh, call Austin Carr today in the article. Uh, CJ Carr isn't going to reclassify. Oh, that's great. We, I did. I, I, somebody, uh, somebody tweeted at me and said, uh, "Hey, man, I love the classic basketball, but Austin Carr." Um, but look, Carr, CJ Carr is not going to reclassify. We needed a quarterback, and not only that, but it, look, none of this matters as far as who the quarterback for Notre Dame in 2023 is concerned. They are going to go into the portal, or at least they fucking should. Uh, by, by all accounts. Uh, from everyone I've talked to, they're going to go into the portal, uh, and go quarterback hunting, which the, the portal opens up like a couple days before national signing day, uh, the early national signing day in December. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but you know, this wasn't a go get, go recruit your starting quarterback, uh, kind of a thing. This is a kid who's got a lot of talent, looks good, uh, did really well in high school. I like him. So bring him in. We'll see what happens. I mean, shit, Ian Book, again, Ian Book, three-star kid who was committed to Washington State, uh, ends up at Notre Dame and ends up being the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history. Just stuff happens. It's just, it's crazy, right? They can't all be Jimmy Clausens. Well, I'd like but to have I, I mean, I'm, one I'm more happy, Jimmy Clausen. I'm happy with this. I would I'm like just, Jimmy Clausen. I would I, like to have a Jimmy Clausen. To be honest with you, though, I, like <laughs> – who who are the guys that Notre Dame like maybe even let on or were seriously seriously considered Notre Dame? Well, the whole Dante the whole Dante Moore thing is what is fuck this whole thing up. Is that what? So Dante Moore and we can Dante say Moore, it. he was a he was a silent commit. He hasn't proved anything though, right? I'm thinking no. like look, looking backwards, like who's the guy that you would say? Oh, like. I mean, I guess we could say Henry Hooker this year, right? Oh, I, th- I thought I thought you were talking about I thought you were talking about this like this cycle as far as yeah. I mean, there's a certain like who, quarterback who we pass committed on because there's a that. certain quarterback who may or may not be committed to a team in the state of South Carolina who Notre Dame probably could have had if they didn't go all eggs in on Dante Moore, right, Josh? Right. Vizino I mean, was one. More like Jackson Arnold could have been. Kate McNamara is like. Has he lost his job at Michigan? Like is he he's still- lost his. Uh, so he's lost his job. He's injured. He had surgery. Hunter Johnson is back at the, is he back at Northwestern or back at Clemson? I'm not 100 yes. percent sure where he I've is. I've heard I've I've actually heard McNamara um, is looking towards Wisconsin, but that would be a fit for Notre Dame. And right. I mean, and a fit for Wisconsin. But I mean, I mean like, it would be a fit for Wisconsin too. But that's why he's going to everyone kind of drooled over. Have they done anything? No, I mean, look at Quinn Ewers, right? I mean, Texas fans are already done with Quinn Ewers. Yeah. Um, Ohio State, you know. And it, them off. Ohio State just uh, Ohio State just had another kid transfer, right? The uh, uh, to Florida State. Yeah. Oh no, uh, he decommitted. Decommitted and went to Florida State. That's right. Um, yeah. 
That's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I, look, it's, it's a good addition. We needed a quarterback. This, this isn't, uh, ranked 700 three, three star kid. This is a nice high four star. We have no idea what his career is going to be, but we're, but, but, you know, he's in that upper spot of four stars where we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm not, no one's going to sit there and say, yeah, this guy's going to win you two national championships. And that's fine. Still means you need a goddamn quarterback in this class. So why not get the best one you can still get? And he was the best one they could still get. And he won't bring any spited pepper. Yeah, I mean, and he's happy. I mean, uh, you don't want him to be a pit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he well, wants nothing. I mean, that. I don't know. Maybe he likes eating uh, shit. I mean, Pitts had more recently. First, Pitts had oh, first round picked uh, quarterbacks in Notre Dame. Yeah, can he pick it? I just don't know uh, how he much. Tiny hands. I mean, I, I got. I guess if I was a recruit, I don't. I'm not. I honestly don't know how much I'd be even looking at that. Like the set, like how many USC quarterbacks have won a Super Bowl, Brendan? Um, let me check my math real quick. Uh, how much did Todd Marijuanovich win? Uh, Carson Palmer? Yeah, not even one Super Bowl. And, by the way, it's not I mean, even one Super Bowl. I just don't think it, it's played that would affect Super my Bowls. decision. A USC quarterback has never played in a Super Bowl. And that would never affect my decision. If I'm, if I'm, uh, Fabrizi Miller, uh, living out there in San Diego, and like, oh man, I gotta, I'm gonna go to college and play quarterback, dude. Like, oh, I don't know if I can go to Southern Cal because they never had a guy play in the Super Bowl. That just wouldn't be a thing. Okay. So the other thing is <laughs> Alabama, right? Alabama's won a ton of games, absolutely a ton of games. Who's their last Super Bowl winning quarterback? You got a guess? Um, yeah. Namath. Yeah, apparently it's Kenny Stabler from the 1970s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? But, like, that's that's sort of my point, which is might as well be Namath right. because, like, <laughs> nobody right. live is like, oh, wow, I, I can't wait to go to the cradle of quarterbacks. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I guess that, that's, well that's uh, always the fallacy. It's like – Ohio State quarterbacks. Who's your favorite NFL quarterback from Ohio State University? There is none. Every quarterback that's ever come out of Ohio State has sucked the biggest of no. donkey dicks. Every and they're still one. racking up five stars. I'm oh, pretty sure. I'm Mike Tomczak Tom was the best quarterback to come out of Columbus. Oh, Jude, 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 I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say, Jude. Because I'm a Giants fan? You know what I'm going to say? Oh, I thought you were going to say Joe Burrow. I was going to say, no, I was going to say, Kent Graham <laughs> split time with Dave Brown, and we had a very productive 1990 season. I think they went like maybe 10 and 6 and went to the, to the playoffs. Or Mike Tomczak was the most productive Ohio State quarterback in the league. Productive. Kent Graham is also the, the answer to the question get of the captain, get the which, captain Notre, out of here. Which, which quarterback has ever transferred out of Notre Dame and made anything of himself? Yeah, he's one of the few. Uh, he, I mean, he, like, you just can't name anybody. No. So, so I guess I guess the question then is if, if pedigree doesn't matter for that sort of stuff, because um, it really doesn't. Like, none of the NFL pedigree stuff, like, it doesn't matter that Joe Montana played in in before Tom Brady was the winningest quarterback, right? That doesn't really matter. Um, it doesn't matter that Notre Dame doesn't have a wide receiver of note in the NFL since, what, Tim Brown? 
I mean, you can, you can go Michael Floyd, who I think is the most impressive of the bunch with like 3,000 career. Let's, I mean, let's Tate's stats in the league. Yeah, Tate's got to be better, right? Uh, I think Tate is the high water, and then it's after him, it's Floyd, right? He's definitely got better stats than than Fuller. Better stats than Fuller, better stats than T.J. Jones. T.J. Jones is kind of like sneakily up yeah, there. But, I mean, yeah, but he, isn't T.J. Jones like uh, he, in the up in Canada battling it out? Now I mean, he is. Yeah, I mean, but he has tight end. The virus no, don't give a wide receiver that no, that no one gives enough credit to. Oh my God, he's blowing uh, up. What is he in Edmonton right, now? But, I think he's in Edmonton now, right? Yeah, but nobody like Notre Dame fans will never give Devaris Daniels his yeah. credit, his due. Yeah, Golden Tate's got eighty-two hundred yards. I mean, Golden Tate is phenomenal NFL pro, unquestionably the best since Tim Brown. And after that, it's like who? And great and personality. It, but it doesn't matter. It does like none of like once you go to the NFL for these guys, like it doesn't matter. Right? Does it? Does it matter? I don't, I don't think, so. think so. I think it only matters if, like, it doesn't matter that Harrison Smith but, is the greatest safety over the last, you know, 15 years in the NFL, which is unquestionable, by the way. Harrison Smith is the best safety over the last 15 years in the NFL. I don't think that you can even have a debate about it. I uh, I don't think we talk enough about how the Chicago Bears are trying to slowly build the 2019 Notre Dame football team again. <laughs> you know, Cole Komet it's happening. Put up some stats it's fucking it's, it's happening. Yeah. Komet, um, Claypool, St. Brown. Claypool, St. Brown. Uh, is Barr still on the team? No, I don't think Barr is still on the team. Yeah. He's a Raider, I thought. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is the right. Yeah. Which, it, but yeah, they're uh, good for them. I mean, they're they're fan, they're they're that's a that's a that is a football program on the up and up. If I've ever heard of if one. you if you wanna if you wanna play Notre Dame, <laughs> you wanna end up in the NFC North, you just go to Notre Dame because you can get yourself a pathway to Detroit, Chicago, uh, Minnesota's got a couple of dudes, right? Or had a couple of dudes? Yeah, they had a run on the they had uh, they're down to uh, Harris, Robert Blanton and uh, Harrison Smith. They have Kyle. Um, like Kyle Rudolph. They had Kyle Rudolph. They had, a, they had a nice trifecta going for a little while. Yeah. They got some dudes going. All right. Let's move on. Uh, look, I, I, I just wanted to say, I really just wanted to say, I'm happy that they got Kenny Minchie. He's a quality quarterback, and that's all you can ask for right now. And that's yeah. great. Good, good stuff. Let's see what happens. He's going to early enrollee, so good news. Moving on. Uh, next thing, let's get to, uh, well, shit, boys. I think we might as well just go ahead and get to the Boston College game. We're finally there to the game that happened five days ago. So, look, we don't have to say a whole lot about this. Notre Dame went out there and just lambasted them. This game was going to be 63 nothing. Well, maybe not 63 nothing because we kept kicking field goals for some odd reason, but it was going to be in the 50s if that's if it didn't snow in the third quarter. Uh, Notre Dame's offensive line was uh, just dominant, dousing guys out there. Andre Gustame, Logan Diggs are just killing dudes. Um, I defensive did, line was dominant. Moments, they were, they were. But I got to say, one of my favorite moments, honestly, was Matt Salerno's touchdown. But it wasn't just the touchdown that was great about it. The the uh, shot of NBC, like after he caught the touchdown. They had a close-up on him, and he's he turned around, and he's like super fucking happy. He just, he's got his you know he's got his touchdown. 
And then he sees the flag. And you can see literally his face melt of like, like sheer like disappointment. Like the thing that he wanted, like the, his lone touchdown in his life was going away because of this flag. You could see his face just fucking melt there on the screen. And it's like, oh no. And then, you know, that's why when they said, you know, no penalty, he kind of gave that little half jump because he was down in the dump. Like that guy, like he thought he had it. Then he thought it was gone and then he got it back. But I was super happy for him. That's a, that was a nice little play too. That should be a bread and butter play. And that's a play Matt Salerno should be making, should be making, he should have scored like four times on that this year. Uh, and if Drew Pine would have seen him a few more times, it would have been. Uh, I mean, it just so that was fun. Absolute race to the bottom for the quarterbacks. Emmett Moore had nine of 22, 117 yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. QBR of 3.4. Drew Pine, 13 of 25. It was, neg- it was negative 50 at one point, dude. Yeah. Drew Pine, 13 of 25, 156 yards, one touchdown, zero except interceptions. QBR of 61.6. I mean, just like. Stud this, right there. It's fucking stud. Okay. So my observations were that Boston College wanted nothing to do with this game. Uh, to start with, and it be, just became even more apparent when they were getting their tails kicked and it was snowing. It's not that Boston people are unaccustomed to snow. Certainly they have snow and cold weather or whatever, but it's just, there's no fun in being three and seven and losing what, what was the, what was the halftime score? 37 nothing? 37 yeah, nothing? Yeah, like, yeah what? 37 nothing. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, the sideline, the, the, the television line. screen did not properly display, uh, how cold it actually was out there in the field though. Yeah. Like it wasn't just, it wasn't just snow fun. Like, it was legitimately cold as fuck out there. Yeah. Like, it was and balls cold. The high, the, the sideline reporter, Zora, bless her heart. I mean, she was trying her best to make it like somewhat interesting. And she's like, you know, the, from Jeff Halfley, the, the comments have been like, you know, we, we can't think about the score. We just, we have to go out there and execute. You can't get all 37 points back at once or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, but. But man, they just want, they want the season to be over now. And it's just, it's so funny to me because they're going to play Syracuse and Syracuse is just the fucking wheels have come off of Syracuse. And this is going to be an absolute race to the bottom type game. And it's just funny to me that that could be like a three nothing final. <laughs> Honestly, it could be like a three nothing final because it's like both offenses just for, for I'd watch that. How to I'd watch that. How to <laughs> execute, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, just, uh, I, I look, I don't think you really, I don't, my, my takeaway is you didn't really learn much about Notre Dame. They did exactly what we needed them to do. They put, they got off the schneid of this whole, like being favored by more than seven points and actually not covering the spread deal. Which was super I'm annoying. playing down your competition. Yeah, exactly. I will, I will and, say Boston college got smoked, uh, with the flu, uh, the week, the week leading up. I mean, they were not in good, they were not in good position. Uh, but you know what? That's part of uh, a successful program too. Keep your kids healthy. Uh, so yeah, cool off. See, it was cool to see Foskey get the sack record. Um, I thought it was cool to watch Tommy Rees make sure Michael Mayer got his two thousand yards because they did those that little foot pass to him like twice in a row. Twice in a row, yeah. Like we're, like we're getting you. Like it, you could. It was blatant. We are going to get you this fucking this that. That's you know that's going to put you up. By doing that, like that was they did, they ran it three times uh, during the, the game. But here's the thing for me that 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 gets me is 
previous administrations did not do things like that. Exactly, exactly. That's and why and the one that really comes it was so to, noticeable. The one that really comes to mind for me is the fact that um, you couldn't figure out a way. Um, you know, Dexter Williams needed to get the to a thousand, and you couldn't figure out a way against USC to get him like a it's few a generational more thing. Well, Dexter Marcus Williams Freeman, Marcus, Marcus Freeman has a rivals pro- profile. Yeah, Ryan I mean, Kelly Marcus, does, Marcus does. You remember Dexter Williams also needed a minimum number of carries to get the had to be the the person who had the most average yards per per rush, and he didn't meet the minimum because he had been suspended for what four games that year. Yeah, the first so, four. Right. Like you couldn't figure out a way to get him more. But it was only a few carries. Like I don't understand why he didn't get more. Like I can understand. Like he didn't make any hay against. He didn't get the record because the the Clemson game. But like you couldn't figure out a way against Southern California to to get him a few more carries. I just. Uh... Yeah. No. They. The previous administrations had dogged their guys on that end. You could tell. Like Marcus. Fre- like I said, Marcus Freeman has a fucking rivals profile. These things. For these, for this generation, like my generation, these are important things, and they want, and the coaches of this of of this age group here, they want those guys to have. That is a fucking selling point for your program. It's yeah. not only is it great for that guy, for that for that player, and a, and a nice and a great thing for him as being a good player at the school, but it's also a fucking selling point moving forward in recruiting. That's it is all these little things. Again, I preach it constantly. There are little things in recruiting that add up time after time. If it wasn't for fucking NIL, <laughs> I mean, Marcus Freeman would be supreme god of recruiting just for all the little things that he does to make sure that that's another selling point for the program. It's now, amazing. God, and I when you, I, say, when you say when you say NIL, this is what you're actually talking about is the the shadier side of NIL, the really the more the pay for play that isn't NIL. It's more it's more the Trying to make the bag men fit into the yeah. NIL. You're not talking about what Braden Lindsay said when he said that NIL is lovely, where established college players are getting um, right. Opportunities no, you know exactly. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm yeah. talking about. I'm talking about the money guaranteed to recruits before they even step on campus, whether it's legal or not. Somehow they're finding a way to make it legal, and that is look. If we didn't have that in the mix. If we didn't have that in the mix, Dante Moore would be in this class. Keon Keeley would be in this fucking class. We would be sweating Peyton Bowen. Maybe we would be because the girlfriend factor. But I mean, that's huge. You add, you add, you add more and you add Keeley to this class. That's a 303 points. 303 on the 24-7 composite rankings, which is fucking high. Getting over 300 is a, is a beast mode class. And that's what was set up. There's those two players and each, and each one of those players, I don't care what anyone, any other recruiting reporter is putting out there into the, in the universe. Dante Moore was 100% about the NIL. That's why he's in Oregon. Gian Keeley, 100% about the NIL. That's why he decommitted. For it, again, I say NIL, it's a different thing. Jude's, Jude's doing the correct thing by trying to, to separate the two. I put it together because it's all the same. They they let one thing be cool and all this other stuff they're turning a blind eye to. And look, I'm not gonna bash it. It is what it is, man. I'm just I'm just telling you the I'm telling you my truth. And the truth is is that 
But that's we not, see what happened at Texas. It's not even name, image, and likeness. It'd be in the spirit of it, where you're talking about rewarding no, I, I kids for for their performance on the field and contributing to the university in a positive way, much like a coach is making these giant salaries and they get these extensions based off of you know merits of on the field. But 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 we're talking about but there's kids nothing we can do about it. But yeah, there's nothing we, we're talking about kids who are getting money there, there, for nothing and their chicks for free. There, there's a blind, there's a blind eye and no one, there's a, there's a, no one gives a shit. And look, that's fine if that's the game that's going to be played, but Notre Dame's not playing that game. So if you're expecting different results from a game that Notre Dame isn't playing in, then I don't know, you're kind of fooling yourself. But, so, I but to get to my, to get they, to yeah. my point, Marcus Freeman does these things like, Making sure Mayor gets his fucking numbers, and it's great for Mayor because he deserves to get that kind of recognition, and all that. But it's also another selling point that I like, hammer home to every tight end recruit that you talk to. This is tight end you. This is this. We got this guy, this guy, this guy. Look what they've done. This is how you do it, and that's how it needs to. And that's how you have to continue to. Marcus Freeman is better at that than the previous administrations that have been because. They didn't give a shit about a guy's records. Dexter Williams got hosed by <laughs> by Brian Kelly and staff. He got hosed on that end. You know, and whatever happens with Dexter's playing career, now he's in the in the uh, not the XFL, but um, or it, it is the XFL, right, Jude? Yeah, yeah, he's an XFL. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Dexter Williams is going to be a celebrated person when he comes back to campus and starts. Going to every home game tailgating like the rest of the of the old fucks. I I no, think fucking with a they should invite Dexter Williams to the USC game as a preferred guest and he should be able to put his right. deuces down. <laughs> Dexter Williams' le- legacy at Notre Dame is signed, sealed, and delivered. We all love him. We fucking love him. We've loved Dexter Williams since he was a freshman rattling off yards. You know, we all were everyone was out there pushing for him and wanting him to 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 get on that field, Dexter Williams' legacy is fine. But he got hosed for it to be cemented uh, by the fact that he just they just didn't give him the ball. Like, give him the goddamn ball. He was averaging like over seven yards a carry. Give him the damn ball. Like, ugh, can you – I mean, and that's, that's kind of how I feel about – it doesn't matter so much this year because he's only a sophomore, but – like I want to scream about how much Audrey Gustave, how many less carries Audrey Gustave has been getting now. Was, Logan Dixon. It was eight carries in the or is, eight carries in the one game in the in the loss. Eight carries against Navy was was absolutely yeah, against Navy, yeah. atrocious and uncalled for. The 15, 15 11 Diggs Estime and, and BC that's fine, that's absolutely fine. Uh, but Estime still is leading the team in in rushing yards right now. I think I think he needs two eighty six. Yeah, he could theoretically do it. I mean, he needs to eat. Well, we'll get to this. I mean, he could do it. He could very I mean, he well could, do it. Listen, he, could ha- he could have a 150-yard game against SC, which is very possible. I'm telling you, it's possible. He could have a um, 150-yard game against SC. No, USC's very And then good. you still have the bowl game, which counts. USC's very good. They have very good rush defense. Let's not besmirch USC. Oh, okay. Let's, right. uh, let's, let's pump brakes on USC. We'll get to it. So, uh, but the BC game, man, it was what it was. Look, 
I was going to say, in, in our celebration of Matt Salerno and our recognition that Deion Colsey, against, once again, had another great reception and Michael Mayer's getting his touches, I got to wonder what Lorenzo Styles has done to put himself in the doghouse. Is it simply the drop passes? Is it's that drop why passes. It drops. Yeah, I mean, he dropped drops. passes. He, I mean, and it's not just one. How many drops. drops do you have on the season, dude? You got to he, here's the thing. he had two rush attempts. He had five drops season. Like we all expected him to have a breakout season but, this year, and it hasn't. It hasn't materialized. He got and part of that's the quarterback. I mean, I know like, he had a run not, play. He had a run play. The quarterback. But he only had one target and Boston College zero catches. There right. Wasn't the, the second half, there wasn't a lot of opportunities to have targets because it was um, no. a snow globe. Okay, Clemson. But, two two uh, two targets, two receptions. I'm sorry, Navy, two two targets, two receptions. Clemson, one target, zero receptions. Syracuse, two targets, one reception. He's had, Clearly, this is a problem. So, yeah, you know, he is – no, he is – yeah, no one's saying it's not. He is in the doghouse. He's had problems with drops. And, and I don't even on, know what's doghouse. So on top of that, on top of that, guys like Jaden Thomas and Deion Colsey have stepped up. Yeah. So not only has – for Styles, just on a personal level, not only has Styles – his play has been below, you know, below the level you want with the drops and all that. Other guys have been playing above what we thought they would be at. Thomas and and Colsey are, you know, our two guys right there. So yeah. the way Notre Dame's offense works is like there's not a whole lot of balls to go around because Mayer's going to get almost half of the targets as it is, anyways. And then you got the so then you got the other receivers. So if you're not a guy who's going to drop a pass. Number one, they're they are not going to be like like scheming a play for you to. And to how catch. many? How many? Well, how many and targets does Colsey and how many targets does um, you know, in in sort of looking at the other receivers as well, there aren't a lot of opportunities to get low. catches. And when you yeah. don't, when you drop a ball, you lose face from from your quarterback, and a quarterback who is just trying to complete passes already shaky. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Colsey, Colsey was a uh, two targets, one reception. He did have a drop in the BC game. Two for two at Navy, zero for zero at uh, Clemson, three for three at Syracuse, and and was not targeted before Syracuse. So Syracuse was his reemergence game. So there's just so not Thomas a lot of is two for two. He's out. Drop the pass. Thomas is out there looking like 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 Chase Claypool. Yeah, I, I love it, Thomas. I love Jaden Thomas. Look, I I actually I am. I know that this year's passing, like Pine doesn't even have 2,000 yards passing yet. But I got to tell you, I am loving the future of Notre Dame's receiving core because we've seen the guys that need to develop, develop this year. I like our receivers. And look, I think, I think with, with Styles, if it's, it's just, if it's just a drops thing, that can be worked on. That, take everything, take that away and you have a dynamic, Football player that can make things happen with the football in his hands. And, you can't uh, make that shit up. You can make, it, you can you can improve upon the drops. And so and so I'm so that's going to be a big thing in the offseason, I'm sure. But seeing Jaden Thomas and now Deion Colsey both step up as pass receivers, that is absolutely fucking huge. It's just a shame that Merriweather's got the got the concussion thing right now because that's a guy that they could be pushing along right now, but he will be a big factor next year as well. Notre Dame's receiving core for as much shit as we get as as they got and as much uh hand wringing that we were going through in the offseason about it, they're actually okay. They just need a quarterback to get them the damn ball 
And in Styles' case, he seems to catch the goddamn ball. So well, that's kind of my point with the uh, uh, sort of looking back at what we were talking about um, all offseason is Notre Dame's need to get a uh, transfer wide receiver in the portal. And it's like they actually probably didn't. And that was my point was like they, they don't. They, they, because if they got – what's the kid from uh, Purdue? Charlie Jones, right? Yeah. He's not having the season that he's having it. <laughs> Purdue, if he's at Notre Dame right now, is he? Oh well, no, because Drew Pine can't get him the ball. Yeah, right. I, I so, like- so the wide receiver thing—that's that's a big like. Remember all those years back, we were like, well, you know, I just and- I, I hope that I I hope that Lorenzo Styles is not discouraged, and if he is, you just say to him, look, there's 92 targets to Michael Mayer, he gone. There's 34 targets to Braden Lindsay, he gone. You're in between those two people. Who do you think is going to get the the most targets if they just apply themselves next year, right? And by the way, good chance Drew Pine's not throwing to you next year, right? Well, I mean, yeah, I got something unpopular to say. This isn't going to go over well. But, I mean, when Lorenzo Styles was being recruited, he was a much better defensive back recruit than a wide receiver recruit. It was well known if he would have been classified as a DB and that would have been what he was going to college for, there was probably a fifth star dangling there for him. That's how good he was in the, in the secondary. So when it was kind of, I don't know when it was time to move somebody, they moved Xavier Watts, not him. Right. Well, I mean, that could be other, I mean, that could be a whole, whole set of issues. I mean, that Styles wanted to play wide receiver. You know, that that's why he went to Notre Dame. Notre Dame was like, all right, we'll put you a wide receiver. You know, Ohio State would have been an easy choice for him. It was also going to be a choice of we want you in the, as a, in the secondary as well. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just, all I'm saying is maybe that's a thought in the offseason. I'm not saying to do it or to not do it. I'm just saying maybe it's a thought in the offseason, not just for the coaching staff, but like for Styles. Maybe that's something you want to bring up. Maybe he doesn't want anything to do with that, and fuck you guys for even mentioning it. I'm going to go out there and catch every ball thrown my way next season. That's cool. I like the fire. But we'll see. So we'll see what happens. I just, I love Lorenzo still for what he brings to the table with his athleticism and speed. Just work on him to catch the ball, y'all. Like that, that is a, that is a fun off season because you know exactly what you need to work on. Exactly. And there is a ton of stuff you can do during the off season to help you with that. Um, so I've actually I'm I'm encouraged for Styles for the future. He's I, he's good. I think he once he gets past that, it'll be fine. But again, the rest of our group, like Brendan said, we didn't need a a, a transfer wide receiver. He's absolutely right. Um, we just we needed a quarterback to get the goddamn ball to these guys. Uh, and another a different wide receiver wasn't going to help that. Because guys have been running open. Ask Brayden Lindsay, who have been running wide open most of the season. Uh, you know, so. Uh, anything else we want to talk about with BC? I mean, the fact that it was just absolutely gorgeous. That third quarter was amazing. Um, it's got to be. It's got to be tough to be a BC I think, fan who enjoyed the Maddie Ice time and now 
it, it's been since 2009 you've beaten, oh, you beaten Notre Dame. I mean, it's just been a hot, like somebody does a countdown on Twitter about the last time. Yeah, it's like nine straight now. Yeah. The last time USC beat, uh, Notre Dame, but like that, that, that number for BC has got to be <laughs> a lot of days now. It's just, it's tough to be an Eagle guy and know that you're just getting waxed every year by, by Notre Dame. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, uh, maybe touch on. Maybe we should touch on the fact that um, Jason Garrett should not be retained uh, for play by or for color commentary for Notre Dame football games because he. Uh, I mean, I would be all in favor of neither of them, him or Collinsworth. Jesus, he, he has so been. Bad. Well, I mean, it only exacerbates the fact that Garrett has been so abjectly terrible at his job trying to talk up Moorhead during that football game when he can't complete like 40% of his passes and he's trying to talk him up as being like oh, a competent he completed 41% Brendan oh 41% uh, his 10th completion get, get right. uh, would have helped push him over the, the limit for me uh, in, in that game yeah I just I think that uh Garrett has been unlistenable. Um, oh, absolutely. Basically, this Who, what, so what's what's been worse this season, Jason Garrett or ACC officials? Oh, ACC officials by a mile. I don't. I don't think that. Ooh, Garrett. Garrett Ooh, is that's, that's bold. Garrett but is like Garrett I don't is think like wrong either. <laughs> Garrett is like when you leave your um, your wash. In the in the washer for too many days, and then you pull it out, and you're like, "Fuck! I should have like, I should have done something with this." Like, it just, it just, he's just like, he's just like mildly annoying. He's not flowing like flutey, like I must mute. He's just more like, I'm really not, I really don't feel like I'm learning anything about the game, you know. And ACC officials are just like, I'm like, I'm just not a guy who like gets really worked up about officials, but I'm just. Just so over this, like, why are you just not calling flags that are obvious? And with all due respect to our friend in Boston who says we should get out of the officiating game, like, it's just a hold. A hold is a hold. You know what a hold is. You know what I mean? And it's just like, uh, just the amount of ink. You know, it's not even that. It's it's just inconsistency. It's just been me, so annoying. For me, it was the backwards five. pass that they that they let play out. That I never heard a fucking whistle for at all. And I've, and I've watched that replay 20, 30 times and I still can't fucking hear a whistle with Maris Lufau running that football. Now, Notre Dame, Notre Dame's people up in the press box said there was a whistle. I don't know how they heard it up in the press box with the volume down of the game, but apparently they said there was a whistle. I didn't hear anything I didn't hear about a whistle. And I just I don't know how that could be called like. I, the the why egregious one complete? for me wasn't that why would, one. Why would you not just call that a a fumble touchdown? We're going to review rather than the one that can't be re, can't be the other way where you called it incomplete on the field. So now they can't say that it was a fumble return for touchdown. That is a fucking huge mistake. Like you let it play out. So. After it's done, you say touchdown, and then you wait for the fucking booth to call the damn review. I mean, that is just – I mean, that, that is still simple. scored on that play. The one that gets in my craw is um, where Notre Dame finally had to um, 
you know, where they didn't spot the ball correctly on the. Oh God, it was like a yard and a half. It was like a yard and a half that they, and they didn't pull it to review and they had ample time to do so. And then Notre Dame comes up to the line of scrimmage and was, was there a, a, there's a penalty on the plane. They ended up punting anyway, right? Or no. Right. It's a. Uh, was that the punt? Was that the punt? Was that the punt? I, At any rate, it was egregious. Like you, like it was a no. yard and a half to almost two yards difference. They they spotted it where his knee was at, and not where was the fucking not, ball was at. Yeah. I honestly think I mean, we, we could have gone for it. The way that Notre Dame was moving their offense, I just, I like, they were at the, what, 30 at that point? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he should have. But, I mean, I got no complaints about how the game yeah. was called offensively or defensively, really. But, but, I mean, but just, way, what's there to complain about? If somebody wants to say that Tommy Rees is an offensive wizard because of what we saw in that field, like, I, I award no points. Like, that, that's, a, that's <laughs> terrible BC off a defense. That's just that you'd prove nothing there. Let's see, let's see what happens against us. No, no, the only thing that, the only thing that the 44 nothing proved. It was, was uh, the kick of field. Notre Dame was not going to play. They, they were not going to play down to their competition. They went out there and they wrecked them. And that's it. Damn near killed him. It was, it was fine. It was exactly what was needed. It was a, it was a non-starter. No one had to, no one had to know anything more about this game. The voter, the AP voters look at 44 nothing. Cool. By the way, I think I'm going to pick, when we go with our prop bets, who's going to score the least points against Notre Dame. I think I'm just going to pick whoever the senior day opponent is for 2023 because apparently no one has to. We're on a roll. My God. 99 nothing the last two seasons. Is it 99? They were 55 last year, right? 55, yeah. 55, yeah. Yep, so 99. And then, I mean, they they kind of, kind of uh, mucked it up there at the end of the Syracuse game uh, in 20. But they were they were kicking the shit out of them until the fourth quarter too, weren't they? Yeah, when I say it was like a senior day game or whatever. Yeah, it was like it was a stupid score, and then they, you know, then Syracuse had a couple of big runs. Yeah, it was uh, 38-7. Yeah, and then they let him score twice. It was, four, yeah. It was uh, yeah, forty-five to fourteen, and then let him score again. Yeah. And it was okay. a, yeah. it was a on an 80 yeah, yard. So I mean, like anyone run. who's yeah, I didn't see it as much this year uh, as we do normal years. But you usually get like somebody like being a being a big uh, bitch about. Oh my god, it's Senior Day! You never. We don't play well on Senior Day. We don't play well. On senior. Well, it's like, when's the last time Notre Dame didn't play well? On like that's the the facts actually don't back that up, right? Oh, the green jerseys are unlucky. Oh, we don't play well at on all. Senior Day. Are you conflating yeah. two things here? Are you are you still haunted by 2002? Because I'm not. Oh, by the way, fuck NBC yeah. for for running the 1993 shit. And and kudos to Pete Mitchell, whose <laughs> whose mom called him at halftime and said, um, "This is starting to look too much like the '92 game." That is great. That is a great all time quip from uh, Pete Mitchell's mom. You know, so you guys. I mean, you guys I mean know this is my point yeah, about Notre Dame yeah. and NBC. Yeah. 
This is my point about Notre Dame. Complaining about that, he was like, "Well, you know, '92 they they really ran up the score. Lou Holtz was known for running up the score." Dude, that that game has some legit beef. I, like Holtz is up what thirty five, thirty eight, nothing, and he tries a fake punt at the beginning of the third quarter. Like that is that's that is just some, especially especially back then. I just like, think it's like so I think funny. today. I I think today that's not as looked down on as it was back no, then. Style points there. Like back then, that was down. like that was fucking sacrilege. Well, I, mean, I, remember, I remember a lot of grousing after the 2014 Arizona State game, and a lot of ASU fans rightly said, look, you don't want us to score? Fucking stop us, right? And and that's what it comes down to. You don't like USC kicking your shit in in 2014? Fucking stop us, right? And Right. I've, I've, never, been, I've never been pissed about a run-up score. Never. Because no, they're doing it for a reason. Matter. It, it feels terrible. Never. When it's happening to your that's team, that's matter. But at the same time, that's how that's you get. You know, BC took that, they internalized it, and a lot of them, after the '93 win, pointed to the fact that they were humiliated in '92 as as extra motivation for what they were able to accomplish in '93. Now, don't get me wrong, that '93 team. I mean, the '92 team was not bad, but the '93 team was a legit good team. I mean, they were ranked. You know, they were ranked fifteenth in the fucking country when they played yeah. them. So. It's Look, not it, listen, what running like the, think of it as you know, people think of it as like kind of like the the Boston College we've now been kind of used to for the last I don't know, since Matty Ice basically, since two thousand nine, right? Which is like Look, that was a good team. You know, they're they're a constant loser, but that was a legitimately good team. Now what running the score up does, and I don't care if you agree with me or not, because this is absolutely true. It if you're a coach and you let your team run up the score on somebody, what that tells your team is that I don't care who these fuckers are across from us. We are going out there to kill them until they die 50 fucking times until the last whistle blows. It's a mindset is what Jimmy Johnson did at Miami. And it is absolutely what Hayes did against Michigan when when he went for two against Michigan. And he goes, Woody, Woody, why'd you go for two? And he goes, cause I couldn't go for three. three. (laughs) Yeah. That's the truth. You have to have that mentality to get your team dialed in to be the big, this is a violent sport. This is an emotional sport. This is brutal. And to get your team to step on the field to beat the shit out of somebody else at any given moment, you have to have them dialed in. And running up the score on, I'm sorry, against lesser opponents, that's just how you do it. That's training, man. That is fucking training. That's you what don't, Alabama you don't does. Let up in that's what... You don't let up in practice, do you? You're running up, you're running up in practice, don't you? Against the scout team? That's how you're treating these guys. They're a fucking scout team. I'm going to run it up and get my stats, get my glory. We are going to kill you until you die, like a thousand deaths. Yep. And we're going to do that to everybody we play against. It is a mindset. It's how you walk into games and not be flat. I think it's important. Like, I think coaches that think too much of it, and I, I'm i not saying Kelly does. He did. But Kelly no, he absolutely that, did. I don't know, man. He, he didn't want to be – he had enough – the shit going against him as far as the asshole factor was concerned. He didn't how want another thing going against did, him. How many there, times did he take a there is a throat. There are throats that need to be stepped on constantly, and you need to do it. How many times no, did, he take, did his team take a knee inside the five-yard line in football games? Right? Like at the end of games, just like taking a knee rather than just like – Do we need to count? Hey, 
And I've stood there in the end zone for for a, a nice number of them uh, <laughs> and stared at this team like, just fucking punch it in. Just just score. Like, you just you just want them to go all Vince Vaughn on them, be like, fuck it, Jamie. <laughs> just go for her. Oh, man. Um, I think that's all I got on that. Jay, if you're a big Jalen, uh, Jalen Sneed fan. We all are. Yeah. Dude, that hit. He made the most incredible. He made the most of his time. I loved it. Yeah, that hit was incredible. I will say though that it was helped by another, by, was that Mills that kind of had a hold of that guy? But I mean, that guy, that guy could have like been hurt. Yeah, he got lit. He got lit. It's great. Lit up. But yeah, he made the most of his time. He's tied for the lead. We were sitting there in the at the uh, press conference after the game, and I think it was I think it was O'Malley, maybe it was Tyler. I, I think it was O'Malley said said, "Hey, without looking, uh, five bucks to anyone who can tell me who the, who the leading tackler was in the game." And of course, you know, someone said, "Right up, Bertrand." Like, oh, there's a tie. Who was it? No one could think of it. And then all of a sudden, Sneed. Like, in the couple minutes he's out there. Just racking them up, making the most of it. Love it. He did. I mean, it was just like instantaneous. That hit was incredible. Um, yeah, we've already talked about uh, our boy Benjamin Morrison earlier. Uh, just, it's nice to have a corner that does these things. It's, that's such a such a luxury. Uh, so. Is that, is that it for the BC game? Can we move on now? Let's move on. Good big game. Okay, let's move on. And w- before we move on, uh, just want to remind everybody, Homefield, homefieldapparel.com, Black Friday sales going on right now. If you use the simple code Black Friday, you will save 20% on your order. So just who do you got to shop for? What kind of white elephant gifts you got to get? Just get on there. Rack it up. Use your code Black Friday. Save twenty percent, and uh, you're going to be the coolest person on Christmas because you're going to have all sorts. Joshua, if if somebody's having a white elephant party and they're going to throw home field Wait. in the middle, please invite me to that party. I will bring yeah. a nice gift. It won't be as nice as home field, but I will bring a nice gift. So I'm going to say that. So I am going to order up some stuff uh, this week from home field. And I'm going to order up just three random shirts, random sizes, just for that reason, just for some random gift giving. And I'm kind of having not a hard, it's not a hard time because it's kind of fun, but I really want to make sure that these shirts are like kind of out there. So like, you know, you know, the, the, the normal like top guns are out there, you know, the Colorado School of Mines, uh, Tulane. I'm kind of having a back and forth Slippery right now rock. with, with Slippery Rock's another one. I mean, it's just, there's some solid stuff on there. So Fairfield, I haven't made up my right? mind yet. What's that? Fairfield, right? The Stags? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, hell, I got that hoodie. It's freaking awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm around, uh, around here, I don't think anyone knows what Fairfield is. Hey, and that's a Catholic school, uh, by the way. Um, so anyways, uh, there's just, there's all sorts of stuff. I guarantee you know somebody, you're going to have to buy a gift for somebody that went somewhere. Homefield's list of schools is, is nice and long now, uh, and they're going to be keeping at them more. But for right now, they got a good list. 
Get on over there. Black Friday is the code you need to save 20% off site-wide. I mean, that's – and not only do you have all this great collegiate gear, they also got that same stuff all plain Jane for you. So, like, if your wife's got a cricket or whatever – they got the joggers. They got the they got the crew necks. They got the hoodies. They got the t-shirts, and a bunch of different colors. All plain Jane. It's the quality, soft, like just really good fitting stuff that you want. Maybe you want to make uh, a Hicksville against the world shirt, like I did. There you go. Uh, buy one of those. Crack open the cricket. Go to work. Whatever it is, it's great stuff. Uh, you're gonna love it. And. I'm kind of mad that the weather has war- is warming up next week because I've really been diving into the, like my home field apparel, joggers, hoodie, and all uh, over the last few days. Uh, it's been swell. Uh, so home field apparel, homefieldapparel.com. All right, let's talk about the let's talk about the rankings, boys. Yeah, yeah, college football player put out their rankings so, today. Well, before we get. Before we get there, we had Sunday, and I don't really care about the coaches' poll. Coaches' poll had another name at 15, although that's kind of um, foreshadowing. But, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, the AP put another name up at 13, which I thought was a huge jump. And so it surprised me that they moved them up that high. Um, it was five from 18. It was five spots. a big jump for, like, beating the shit out of a, a really bad Boston College team. Um. But, you know, it was also, in my in my eyes, about appropriate for Notre Dame. Notre Dame right now should be ranked somewhere, I, I feel, by somewhere between 10 and 13. With Penn State definitely fucking not ranked ahead of us. But, Utah not ranked ahead of you. Kansas State. Not, yeah. I, I think, well, the discrepancy between you the, get AP, to nine. Yeah, the, the AP and the college football playoff slash coaches poll the difference between Notre Dame being ranked 13 and 15 is there are now th- two three-loss teams above Notre Dame, which I think is a joke. I just think it's a joke. I, 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 don't, I don't understand. Like, I understand how bad. I cannot explain enough how bad. Screw the Marshall game because Marshall is probably – no, Marshall's not probably. Marshall is unequivocally better. Than Stanford at football this season. Marshall has right. defensive statistics. They have one of the, you know, we we kind of dunked on the the notion of Gilmore being great, but PFF's got Gilmore as one of the best um, cornerbacks in the nation. They have one of the best, if not the best, third down defense in all of college football. Um, there's things to like about Marshall. There's absolute, and you know, the whole um, letdown. Um, aspect Ohio State beating you twice. Um, there's no excuse for the Stanford game. I understand that losing to Stanford is unforgivable. Uh, that this Stanford team is dreadful. They're the worst rush defense in college. But that's for me. That's either here nor there. Uh, right. Who have it's, you beat? Who have you beaten? Is the thing that gets me the win against Clemson and maybe maybe the college football playoff saw North Carolina eat an L to a coachless Georgia Tech. And and that hurt Notre Dame. I don't know. It, I mean, it probably spotted. Well, I mean, they obviously don't value been. Clemson. They don't, they obviously don't value Clemson all that much. I mean, even at eight, because they got a two loss Bama. Uh, Which, you know, in, ranked in ahead Bama, of them. and like half of Bama's resume 
is essentially just padding up the the teams in the lower half of the 20s. Like, well, Ole Miss is ranked because they had a close loss to Bama. Hey, Texas, four losses. They're ranked close loss to Bama. I mean, fuck it. Rank A&M because they have a close loss to Bama too. (laughs) Right? It's like everybody's got a close loss against Bama. Bama's not very good this season. Okay, the sheer number of Pac-12 teams ranked ahead of Notre Dame right now is absolutely oh, incredible. Washington, Utah, um, Oregon, Oregon, USC, rightfully so. I think USC is the only one that's you, right. I mean, that's fine. SC has one. SC has one loss. But you tell me, like number sixteen. Tell me, losing to a dreadful Stanford team is bad. But how bad is losing to a football team by forty plus points? Right. That's my point. Like, I don't care how bad the team is. You lost. It was a close game. But on the flip side, these other teams got a loss. You're getting housed. You're absolutely housed. getting fucking ran out of the stadium. Penn, the, the Penn State-Michigan score is crooked as all get out. 23 points, right? 40 to 17 or whatever it was. Penn State was fortunate to score points in that football game. If you watched any of the Penn State-Michigan game, Penn State should have scored zero points. Michigan probably should have scored 60 if they had a red zone offense to speak of. <laughs> like, Penn State could not do anything in that football game. It was an embarrassment for Penn State. Um, Penn I mean, State did a good of job of dunking on their team, uh, like the, the teams that they have played, but like, Penn State's passing yards. But what's that, Michigan. what's that matter? 157 I mean, rushing Penn, yards against Michigan. Penn, Penn State is Notre Dame 2019 without the punishment. Without the punishment. Uh, yeah, because Ohio State's their Georgia. Ohio State's their Georgia, and Michigan's their Michigan. I mean, at least 2019 Notre Dame beat the best Navy team in the last decade. Uh, well, oh, then 2015 would like a word. Uh, which oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, those are the... Like, I so mean, I mean, Jude, what do you make of LSU being ranked ahead of SC, though? Like uh, that that just struck me as one of those like this will sort itself out deals or whatever. But that definitely will sort itself out. Yeah. yeah. So, look, I I think I've been on record about this, but if not, let me make this clear. I don't watch the I don't watch the show. I see you I actually get all my information from you guys uh, in the DMs talking about it. And then I do like a quick look at it, like a graphic that's put up by like an Adam Schefter or, you know, Reese Davis or somebody like that. But I literally don't give or a shit. Or you just look up. at the, the site. I got a graphic I, I, up. I lived in, I lived in down <laughs> and I go to one foot down, I go to one foot down and read all the, the, the gnashing of teeth. But, uh, you know, look, it, my team has three losses, and so if they put them at 15 or 13, kind of seems inconsequential to me. I also think it's bullshit where Penn State's ranked, but I also think that you know this is gonna this is gonna sort itself out by the time we get through not only the last games of the year, but also more importantly for Penn State the bowl games because I think somebody's I think somebody who's in the top say 12 or 13 is gonna get really pantsed in their bowl game. And, and I think there, the eye, the scales will fall from the eyes of some of these voters. Right. Uh, so they won't get pants in their bowl game because they're going to get the Tulane draw. Yeah. They're going to see, but and Penn State I don't think could very Dame, well, Penn State could very well end up by season's end as like the sixth or seventh ranked team in college football. That's a fucking good. What a joke. Having, and, an and by joke. the time the final polls come out, 
Like, so, if they beat Tulane, Tulane what? probably See, should I think, rank. So, okay, so walk me through this. It would be, what, the Cotton Bowl against Tulane? Cotton Bowl, yeah. Okay, so yeah. How, where does where does Ohio State and Michigan win or ends up in the Rose for Rose. the college football playoffs? Yeah, one ends up in the college football, one ends, up, one in ends up in the Rose. Yeah. Okay. And then it's Big East, Big Ten number. Because, because we're pretty sure that they're not going to – if Ohio State loses, they aren't going to be the four spot. Okay. We don't think. I mean, the, well, maybe. They could still be. I think be. Ohio like, State like, has a better chance to be ranked in the fourth spot than Michigan does. Yes, yes. If, if Michigan loses, they're, they're out. If Ohio State loses, they they could still be in. Because Ohio State uh, will have Notre Dame loss, air quotes, as or win. So I guess, yeah. I guess the, big, the biggest question for me is, and this is because, like, look, my only point is that Notre Dame does – Notre Dame shooting for a top 10 finish, which is right in front of them. And I, I wrote the article last week and I thought I was going to write it one this week. You know, what's the path? Like, like it's pretty simple right now. Maybe I'll write one tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, but like they got to beat SC, but does it, does a win over USC who then ends up winning the Pac 12 and Clemson who ends up winning the ACC? Does that combination is that enough for the committee to, to vault Notre Dame past Penn State? Cause I think it fucking should be, right? Like, like you, you, you beat these two teams that are the conference champions and you start looking around at resumes, like, what have you done, Penn State? I mean, and I, look, we have no well, idea what else is going on in front of them. Here's Kansas the thing. State, Washington, Utah. If Tennessee, Notre Dame, I mean, Tennessee could lose to Vanderbilt this weekend. We they don't know. Very well could because there's no Hendon Hooker. Um, if Notre Dame I mean, beats, could lose to fucking South Carolina for all we know. If, I mean, South Carolina beat Tennessee. Um, let, let me put it to you this way, Josh. If Notre Dame beats USC, let's say uh, 32 to 29, the committee doesn't even recognize that as being a win because it's not 40 plus. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Right? Because <laughs> seemingly they only care about games you score forty points. Well, forty points. Well, this score. I mean, on the road, number six team in the country. I, I don't know. This is my problem with Pete Sampson right now, where he is looking at this as it is like it's static, man. Like, like Notre Dame can't jump this team unless they lose. Blah blah blah. Like, I don't think that's true. Like, especially with the committee. Who has a who has a bigger propensity to move things around how they see it rather than AP voters who a lot of times just, just go with what they had last week. 
Yeah. Yeah, the committee has always has shown, especially especially in those last couple of weeks, they that that's where some of these big moves can happen. Ohio State they see. jumping TCU in uh Yeah, shit like that. Yeah. So that's that, that's why like I mean I haven't I haven't been all over Twitter about it, but like in the DMs I've been just blasting this whole narrative and Pete Sampson's definitely one that has been pushing it hard. Like Notre Dame has no shot at the New Year Six. I call bullshit on that one. If I, mean, I think if, if they were at thirteen, be, I think if they were at thirteen, they're in a better position yeah. to get New Year Six because then you're only talking about a three right. spot. But now you're talking about a five spot, which I think just but it could still it could which happen. can still happen if they go out if they go and let's say they go out to L A. and they L A. and they beat. SC, let's just say 30, 36 to 24. That's a solid, that's a fucking emphatic win, right? 36 well, 24. Here's what that I a, would say. Not a huge blowout, but it's an emphatic win over the number six team in the country. And then, S, I mean, I just say it, I don't, I can see them for sure start creeping them up over teams like Utah, Washington, Kansas State. Like the wins say more than the losses for Notre Dame. Um, come, come Sunday this week, the wins will say more. Here's here's what I'll say about that, and this is something I thought about the Clemson game. Is narratively speaking, would it have been better for Notre Dame in this spot to have won a classic game against Clemson rather than just blowing them out, and and, no. and just spin that off no. against USC? Like if they just blow out USC, do they just go? Well, the Pac-12 is just trash. Um, no, no, no. Okay. You get the blowout when you get the blowout, especially when it's against a single-digit ranked opponent. No matter what, that's the, that's the number one thing. Well, no, that's what I would but again, like. But all this, I mean, as far as they, all go, this would be nonsense. Uh, none of this would be discussed if the fucking Pac-12 officials would have fucking ruled that game right. Notre Dame. In Stanford, I just I keep coming back to that, and all the shit I took, I took a lot on on the commenters from Facebook about bitching about that call, that fumble. Oh well, they shouldn't they shouldn't have needed that to win. Fuck you, a W is a W. You change that W, you change the the Stanford game over to a W from an L. Notre Dame sitting you're right there by LSU. Spot. Yeah, you are. I mean, maybe you're above spot, Alabama. You're sitting there at number right? six. Aren't you above Alabama? And you're, yes, you are. And you were sitting there, right? You're sitting there, right? Looking right at the fucking playoffs. Not saying they get in, but you're sitting there at number six, going out to LA, thinking Seven. we got a shot if we win this game to get in the playoffs. If a couple things happen, and a couple things very well could happen because there isn't a whole lot. There's a lot going on. So. <clears throat> When I was bitching about that call, that's what I'm talking about. I don't give a fuck if they should have blown Stanford out. That doesn't that doesn't do anything for me. The fact that they got screwed out of that over a fucking fumble call, and that's that single difference right there is where is between them at fifteen and them at fucking six. Yeah. That blown call. And that's huge, because that tell that would tell you if that if that would have been a W, that's a scrappy win, right? They just they gutted it out. You know, it was just a it was just a bad night, and they still got the win. But instead of that, you got fucked, and now you just got like this shitty ass Stanford team beat you. And yeah, you played like shit against them, but at least if you had a win, it's a win. 
So don't yeah. don't don't any of you ever come at me again when I start bitching about a call to terminate a game and saying we shouldn't have been there. Fuck you. Winning is hard. So you got to get these wins right. They got to get these goddamn calls right. I mean, you so this, this, you only need to look to the Michigan game on Saturday where the most egregious oh, pick oh. play I've ever seen on a fourth down pass. It they, don't was, it. they don't call they don't call that. They anymore. didn't call they it. Not. And Bielema's going to get fined for it because he bitched about it. And it's the third time that he's bitched in a game. And people are like, oh, Bielema's bitching every game. Well, good for Bert. That's the narrative here. And you know what? He is bitching every game. But that one, on that particular play, that was the most egregious pick play I've ever seen in the sport of college football. Yeah, like, Bert's no fool. He's been, the, he, the, he coached the, the Michigan Michigan before. He knows, how, was, he knows what happens in Ann Arbor. I don't even, I don't even think JJ McCarthy had the ball in his hands yet from the shotgun snap before the Michigan receiver is engaging in a block. Smoked um, him. Smoked smoke, him. And he smoked two guys and set up a fourth down conversion. How do you miss something that obvious? That's it, what I just don't, really I don't understand. Know. I don't know. You, I mean, you can, you can look because at Because you're it. not looking for it because you're not. Well, because, yeah, you, you live uh, off Wagner Road in Ann Arbor, and, uh, you know, you, you're getting your checks <laughs> signed. I mean, but, I'm not a yeah, see like, guy with officials, but, oh, my God, that was egregious. But maybe we should be. I mean, just think about what happened before the Notre Dame-Syracuse game. I mean, look, I have a lot of respect for Tim Priester. Like, he is not someone who's just going to put bullshit out in the air. But when he went on the pod and was, like, screaming – about the referee situation going into that Notre Dame Syracuse game, you got to pay attention to that. He's not someone to just to just run his mouth about nothing. Like that was a fucking legit beef. Like there's directives from conferences about how these things should be called in certain games. That isn't that isn't uncommon. Like that shit happens. Look, Michigan has all. Look, I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. Michigan has always gotten the calls in the big house. It is a rare fucking day that they don't get things going their way in that building. And Bert knows it. That's why Bert was so pissed. Because he's tired of getting fucked over over there by these stripes. And that's exactly what happened to Illinois. And by the way, who who took that game? (laughs) Good job. Yeah. Um, I guess the one thing I guess I will hang my hat on is I said that the weather might uh, cause it to be a low scoring game. And I should have gone with that, with that gut instinct and said, okay, Illinois can cover 18 in a game where there's not a lot of points scored. I guess I should have, I should have done a lot better on that. But, um, were you at all miffed that Brian Kelly said that he, he intentionally reran the 2014, uh, FSU play for the two point conversion that, that beat Alabama because he knew it would work and he knew they wouldn't call it? No, I, th- no, I say abs, I say absolutely. I, my hat's off to Brian Kelly on that. That's a fuck you move by a by a fuck you master, and I and I say that with like a ton of respect. Like he knows how bad he got hosed in Tallahassee, and it, in a way, it's like it's a it's a proof of a point. Like that 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 call is one of the most is probably the most controversial call in college football, right? Just because it is so inconsistent in the way that it's called. Yeah, is re- it is worse than the than holding. Like there's some games where you can hold, and some games where you can't. It's some teams are allowed to hold, and in the one game, while the other teams not, not. And yet, the pick play was the most 
fucking frustrating because it was so inconsistent. Because remember, those plays, everybody's I, playbook. Remember Tyler James was down on the uh, on the field and he had like an alternate angle and it was like this Zapruder film. We were like we were, we were like back into the left. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> rewinding, fast forwarding, and just it like, was like, the uh, Florida State DB engaged first. He yeah. put his hands up and engaged him first. And so it should have never been called. If I recall correctly, Ronald Darby had the final interception in that game. Is that right? Do you remember? Probably. That that sounds right. Yeah. God damn, Jude. Do you, do you want to be in a bad mood? I was just like, I remember it just bumming me out. So Like, like, like Kathleen, yeah, Kathleen's talking about, you know, being inspired for paintings. Not, she's going to paint a big picture of death. <laughs> Thanks, she was already bringing this shit up. I would be honored if, if <laughs> There's going to be a giant site. There's going to be a giant scythe with like a leprechaun. Kathleen needs reference photos of me uh, frowning like Debbie Downer. I can, I will gladly supply. So. Jacob Hugh was the one with the interception, by the way. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Which, by the way, I think he Thanks was out God. of bounds. I think he was out of bounds, but it didn't matter. So. Ugh. All right. Well, that's all we're going to talk about the rankings now. Because none of it matters if Notre Dame doesn't win in L.A. No way. So, Brian, yeah, my wife no rewatched ta- all tacos in L.A. Laguna Beach, so she is in an L.A. mood. Well, I put up the uh, the Letterkenny L.A. tacos and hiking uh, up on the the eat or drink uh, story today. So, if if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, okay, go on to what put down. The eat, the eat and drink article, by the way, it is Trojan Blood Week, y'all. So get your gin, get your Mountain Dew Code Red, don't be a sourpuss, get it together, hashtag it, Trojan Blood. Uh, let's have some fun with this one. But I got the, the letter Kenny skit, uh, or part, uh, up there where they're talking about tacos and hiking in LA. Don't you know everything's better in LA? Anyways. So tell me how, how this, uh, Trojan team is so much better in LA, Brendan. Well, I'll tell you how. So here's the thing with with USC. Say it. Um, say it. Oh my God. No, no, no. I'm not saying it. Fucking say it. USC is really good. The Trash. number three ranked scoring offense Ooh. in college football this year. They're averaging 42.9 yards per game. Um, they have failed, or they have scored 40 plus games in their last five matches. This is a prolific offense. They are very good. Um, they've beaten Oregon State, Utah, UCLA. Uh, there is nothing that you can you can disparage this team. Wait, wait, wait. Did, you, or, did you say they beat Utah? No, no, no. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. They wait. Oh, yeah. You said they. Oh, you said they wait. beat Utah. Uh, but wait a minute. Utah's. The, hold up. Hold up. Wait. Let me check my earpiece real quick. Um, what, what's that? Say the line, Bart. Guys, say it. Guys, USC. They kind of stink. <laughs> 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 yeah. Here's the thing. 
with USC. <laughs> when, I'm, when, when I'm going through it, I'm looking at USC, and I'm looking at their schedule, and I'm, I'm looking at the Trojans, and Joe Klatt's got um, Caleb Williams as being the odds-on favorite for the Heisman Trophy, and everyone, I got Pete Sampson and the Shamrock talking about how he's the greatest quarterback that he ever seen, and everybody's talking about all of that. Here's the thing with USC. When you look at their schedule, when you look at the games that they've played, they have beaten Oregon State and UCLA as the only two ranked opponents they've beaten, right? Yeah. Well, neither team had a healthy quarterback in that football game. Um, what's your favorite game that USC has played against in which they won against a healthy quarterback? Um, Arizona. Cal? Cal? Yeah. Um, who Stuart Mandel has, uh, uh, crowned uh, Jack Plummer as being, uh, well, you know, it takes a, a good quarterback to go for 400 yards against against USC. Because uh, do you know how many yards Does. Uh, uh, Jack Plummer's put up, against, put up against USC? 406 yards. Prolific quarterback, right? Yeah, he went for 184 against Notre Dame. And that 184 was aided by a solid 60 yards from the officials not talking about the ball skipping off of the turf. So USC has played a Pac-12 <laughs> schedule in which they played three ranked teams and beaten two of them. Um, you know, obviously they lost to Utah. But, uh, yeah, so far their, their pouts are UCLA and Oregon State. Oregon State was out their starting quarterback, and uh, DTR's thumb and finger were both taped up in this football game, and he had hand problems going into it. Um, are they bad defensively? Yeah, they're prolifically bad defensively. Uh, how bad defensively are they, might you ask? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question, uh, because they are um, against the run – uh, if, if we're just going based off of um, rush rush attempts, right? They are the hundred and second ranked team in yards per rush. They're giving up on average. This is just an average four point five seven yards per rush. Um, their passing game then it, it, that must mean that the teams are running against them because they can't get anything done against the pass, right? Um, no, no, that is also not the case. Uh, because they are 105th in passing yards per game allowed, giving up an average, an average of 257 yards per game. This USC defense is without question, even, even going back to, um, you know, the, the depths of their ineptitude back to like, you know, I don't know, what's the worst, uh, USC, uh, defense 2019. It is worse than the 2019 defense in almost every, uh, measurable statistical stat other than, uh, points per game. Takeaways. Well, well that's takeaways. They make worse a lot of turnovers. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, and, and, and the funny thing about, in, in, in the funny thing about their turnover margin is, is that what is one area that they're especially adept at? Uh, they have, 24 takeaways on the season, which is phenomenal. Um, you dive a little bit into it and you notice that, you know, against UCLA, they had the three picks against DTR with the bum hand. Um, they had four picks against Oregon State's backup quarterback. That's seven. Um, they had four picks against Rice. And suddenly we're kind of looking at it. We're going, 
huh, well, they seem kind of opportunistic with it, right? Yeah, they, they, they certainly are. They've, they've had a turnover in every single game except for the Washington State game. Um, so they, they are good at that, but those numbers are certainly skewed by some, um, exacerbating circumstances when, when you look at their takeaways. Um, but defensively, this team is butter bitch soft. Like, this is, like, you need your butter at this consistency. Their defense is the butter, uh, the consistency of the butter that you need to rub underneath your spread it on. skin before you put that, before you put that bad boy inside the roaster. They are just pathetically soft. They have a 200 pound middle linebacker. Uh, they play mostly this like goofy ass dollar defense. Right where it's it's like six DBs because I'm not counting a 200 pound linebacker as being a linebacker. I'm sorry, I'm just not. I I do not consider you as being like six foot six or whatever he is at 200 pounds as being a real linebacker. You're not a real linebacker. You're 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 essentially like a, a souped up DB. So they're playing this this goofy I don't know four two four two six or like four one six defense. Uh, most of the time that they're playing it, which that's why they're giving up these enormous, you know, yards per attempt rushing is because they just don't have the beef there. And their defensive line, I, I, I don't understand how their defensive line, uh, coaches up for the Broyles award. Did you see that? That, uh, they got, oh, yeah. the oh, yeah. and, um, Mason got left off for this USC defensive line guy to get on there. And I'm looking at their stat. I'm looking at USC and I'm like, this is a team that like everyone is running on and, and you decide to nominate him. Good job, Broyles Award. You're, re- you're really getting after it. You, you must be super excited about the fact that, that they had, you know, five sacks against Fresno State, five sacks against Arizona State and five sacks against Washington State. And you're putting all your eggs in that basket. But when you played the only decent offensive line you saw a year in Utah, you had zero sacks. So congratulations, right? I mean, it's just, I, I, do, I don't understand that. Um, offensively, Caleb Williams is fantastic. Um, I'd prefer for Notre Dame to keep him in the pocket because every time I've watched Caleb Williams play the football, the game of football, he does his best work outside, outside. and allowing things to break down in the secondary and for, you know, his receivers, you know, Jordan Addison, specifically, um, but also Taj Washington's and Mario Williams to, to be able to, um, get open for him once he's, you know, scooting on the outside. So if I'm Notre Dame, I want to keep Caleb Williams contained in the pocket, even if that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm, I'm getting the sort of pressure that I want because unlike CJ Stroud, who, as soon as you, you hit him with pressure and you saw this and, you know, for Notre Dame, you know, some of it late, but he scored 21 points. You get pressure and he kind of folds, but Caleb Williams, as soon as everything collapses down in front of him, he gets out on the run and he does the sort of, um, you know, thrown off his back foot sidearm toss to Jordan Addison at the sidelines for, you know, 25 yards. Don't want to see that. Um, but this is a team that, that they're a glass cannon. They haven't played a single team ranked in the top 50 uh, in pass defense this entire season. Utah's the only team um, 
they, I think they are the 50th ranked pass defense is Utah. Um, outside of that, they haven't played anyone even remotely good. Uh, just behind them is Oregon State in terms of passing defense. And Oregon State's pass defense is 60th. They were able to do, be pretty effective in shutting USC down. I mean, that was early in the season, but I, but I don't know. But the fact of the matter is this is a USC team that hasn't played a single defense of substance this entire year. Their out-of-conference schedule was a joke. They didn't have to play Oregon, and they ran through the only two ranked eight teams that they played, which was a UCLA team, which how good's UCLA, right? We're propping up UCLA because UCLA's playing in the Pac-12 and they're playing Pac-12 teams. How good's UCLA? I mean, they're good enough to have four turnover to have four turnovers and only lose by three. Right, exactly. <laughs> and their quarterback's got a bum hand. Like I'm, I'm watching this USC team and I'm hearing the narrative this week, and I, I understand you need to have some a Heisman winner, and I'm not sure who's going to win the Heisman because I don't think it belongs to C.J. Stroud, but it sounds like he's the front runner, and so you need a second guy to do it. And I guess in L.A. Well, if he right, and if Caleb won, Williams wins this game in the Pac-12 championship, he's winning the Heisman. He's probably winning the Heisman unless you know C.J. Stroud beats Michigan. I mean, if C.J. Stroud beats Michigan and then wins the Big Ten, he he might probably end up winning it. But uh, depending on the game um, each one has in this particular spot, because I think their best competition is going to come in this particular game the week before the conference championship, um, at least defensively. So when I look at USC, I see a team that hasn't really been tested as far as um, any physicality. They haven't played a physical team all year. They haven't played anyone that even remotely resembles what Notre Dame wants to do, which is line up and just maul you. So what does Grinch's defense do when Grinch's defense plays a team that wants to maul them? Well, we've seen this play out every time Oklahoma was on the national stage. They got mauled. And, and this entire USC team is essentially the, the um, like if, if you were to put the, the Pam from the office meme of corporate wants you to uh, take a look at these two pictures and tell you, you know, <laughs> right? Oklahoma 2018 and USC 2022 is like that meme encapsulated because there's no difference between the two teams. Do you remember how bad that 2018 Oklahoma team's defense was? And we were all like laughing about it. And it's the same thing. He basically just took what they were doing in Oklahoma, which was defense optional, and brought it to USC with a worse running game and a worse offensive line and said, all right, I'm setting up shop here. They're, they're leading running back Travis dies out and it didn't really cost them again. And you know what? I, I'm going to say it. I don't think Travis dies very good. Um, and from what I heard on the athletic, the, the USC beat guy, he said the only reason the, the Travis die was the, the starter and got all the snaps was it was the old, um, Brian Kelly adage of uh, he was the better in pass pro. So the reason Austin Jones wasn't getting the snaps over Travis Dye was because Dye was better in pass pro. Well, well now it is, it is all on Austin Jones who went 21 for 120 against, and he had, he had a fantastic game against UCLA, but um, he's going to need to block against Notre Dame, I think. Right. So, 
they're down their best running back theoretically, or at least their most complete running back. Um, and they're bringing this, this offense that wants to score points, mostly throwing the football against the Notre Dame defense, which do you know what Notre Dame's defense is like? You know, we kind of had our foibles with, uh, the, the late game, um, breakage, breakages and coverage against, uh, Ohio State and sort of the garbage time minutes that Drake, that Dukes Mayo had against North Carolina and throughout all of that, do you know what Notre Dame's passing defense ranks right now in their numbers? They're 16th in the country in yards allowed. Get out of Dodge. They're giving up I thought 100. We and, I thought we sucked too. Uh, they're giving up 100. We lost to Yeah, they lost to Marshall. How can they be good? We lost to Stanford. They lost to Stanford. How can they possibly no be good? No fucking way we can be good. Impossible. No. Notre, Dame's, Notre Dame's pass defense is sneakily good. They can get after the quarterback and – they do not allow opposing teams running backs marshal onward, <laughs> um, or at least from Marshall. They do not allow opposing teams running backs to do anything, right? I think we all agree that Will Shipley's pretty good. Nothing. Syracuse, nothing. Um, Navy, once they figured out the fullback, uh, you know, yeah, it was. They, they're not going to lie. They had us in the first half there, but. Uh, they had us in the first half. <laughs> Uh, but that's fullback. That's not running backs, Jude. Right? So we're good there. I don't think Stan, I don't think USC's got a fullback. If they, right. if they bring down a fullback, I, I'll give them more credit than uh, than what we're giving them right now. It'd be amazing. Yeah. So I just it, it's one of those things with 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 these two teams. I think styles make fights. I think that Notre Dame wants to be physical, and I think USC has avoided physicality. At every turn, Notre Dame has played teams like this USC team. It is, it is, it is essentially North Carolina West, right? A trash, absolutely trash offense or defense. And then a prolific passing game with a really good wide receiver and then an okay running back. And I've seen this story play out. It's just a slightly better version of it. I, 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 I know everyone is going to pick North or uh, North Carolina may as well be uh, USC in this football game. But when I look at USC and the way that they've won football games, um, I just, I, uh, unless Notre Dame shits the bet, this is a spot where I could see Notre Dame winning this game handily. Maybe I'm wrong, but like just the way that Notre, that, that USC is constructed and what I've seen from Lincoln Riley in these sort of games and from Alex Grinch in these sort of games, I just see them getting bullied. And uh, unless there's like, you know, obviously because they do have a propensity to turn the ball over, um, unless there's some turnovers, I can see Notre Dame just bullying this USC game, this USC team, because of all the teams where I've said that this team stinks, I do think that USC stinks. Oh. All right. Brandon. I mean, where does this go? Me. Where does this go plainfully long, wrong? If it goes wrong, how does it go wrong? Well, it goes wrong if Drew Pine throws two picks. Because okay. I think that, uh, and here's another thing too, another interesting aspect. Or can we just say, can we just say two, like, if we're minus two in the turnover, 
margins. So yeah, I think my, batted my, ball. Batted ball. Short. I mean, if you give USC short fields, and I think if USC has confidence too, um, I think that it could be bad news. But I think if Notre Dame can, if Notre Dame establishes that they're what they want to do early, especially running the football, much like they did against Clemson. It could be very similar to to that sort of like Notre Dame just methodically drives down the field, keeps USC off the field. Um, you're not going to be forcing like you know Ben Morrison had, uh, Benny Mo had his his you know multi pick games. I don't think this is going to be one of those multi pick games. Um, Caleb Williams has thrown three interceptions on the air. I will say two in the last two games. Uh, oh, so he's, he's yeah, but I, and he's, I mean, he's, he's got a straight out. He's, he's like a jackpot machine. He's paying out right now. Right. He's paying out yeah. right now. Um, but I, I just, I just foresee a situation where if you can sort of do what Oregon State did, which is very possible, um, I think you can get more from your offense, certainly than Oregon State can. And I, I could see Notre Dame winning this game by like, you know, Nine ten points, very right. real, Brandon. But we're Brandon but we're in agreement here, though, right? Notre Dame to win this game, Notre Dame has to run, run the football and run it well. Like they have to yeah. be efficient on their on on all running. Like every down's a running down. Third and ten, that's a running down. I like mean, it was, a, it was against Boston. <laughs> <laughs> but so I mean, far. that's the. Brennan, scale of zero, zero to 100, zero being a uh, date with Heidi Klum later this week for me. And oh, my God. Is she wearing She's the worm suit? Is she wearing the worm suit, Jude? I, I, I'll take her any way she wants to come. Okay. Um, 100 being... Uh, nice wor- if, nice if, phrasing, Jude. This, <laughs> if this were a prop bet on DraftKings, I would be literally putting my mortgage on it. Notre Dame blocking a punt against USC this weekend. 100%. They don't have a special teams coach. They don't have a special teams coach. And, um, like when I was, the, the one punt that they had against, uh, UCLA, um, I just thought about, like, UCLA had like three guys just streaking wide open to the punter. And the, the, the Aussie punter who they just brought in in like August or whatever, uh, just barely gets the punt off. And I'm like, if that's Notre Dame and their starters running at him, that's six blocked in the end, like, I just – they haven't had a block punt yet, but um, they don't punt a lot. So they're, they're well, not, they, they they're not faced, very experienced. They and they don't either. put any emphasis on special teams as evident by the fact they don't have a special teams coach. Like they are going – if they are going to block a punt this weekend. If that's a prop bet that you can get in on, I'd put, I'd put, a, I'd put a 10 spot on that. As Ty Hellbrand would say, lock it up. Lock it up. Lock of the week. Do they still do that? Lock. They did. In fact, I listened to their pod today. Mr. Dan Rubenstein, uh, bullish on the Irish for this weekend. To cover or to win? To win outright, flat out. And he's got a pretty uh, good pulse on the West Coast. He does. does. Now, Ty is doing a a reverse jinx thing right now because he is uh, struggling and can't pick a game to save his life. Yeah, uh, but so so Dan was, so Dan said he was going to do a a genuine pick, and he genuinely thinks Notre Dame can go out there and pick. I I think a lot of people have that same thought. Like SC is susceptible against the run, 
And it's, what does Notre Dame do? It's not, a, it's not a, this isn't fucking quantum physics. Uh, this, if Notre Dame could just go out there and physically beat them up, they should win this game. It's the same defense, USC team as it's been for a decade, right? It just has a significant, it's got a better quarterback than, than at any point during the last decade. But it is the exact same team, the same softness on on all a- a- avenues. Like Lincoln Riley didn't I do change th- anything. I do think their offensive line. I do think their offensive line did get better. I won't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna call them. They were low key pretty good last year. They. I mean, they 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 made the uh, the semifinals for the Joe Moore Award. Uh, but I mean, I don't know if I really look at them that way. But I. I do believe that they are better than the way we were last year in the line. Um, so they're, they're not, they're good. They're good. I, I don't think, I don't think they're great. I'm not going to be in that category like some people are, but I think they're good. Um, but I mean, it's a weird thing with them because, you know, Travis dies out and Caleb Williams, I mean, he does his best business running out of the pocket anyways. So they don't really have, a, I mean, they just got to keep him clean as he, <laughs> he gets up on the other side of the hash. Uh, I mean, really for the most part, right? Yeah. So like I mean, their job, their their job is like it like half of their job uh he takes care of for them by right, getting out. How many, of, how many sacks do you think that any other quarterback in America ends up taking um that Caleb Williams escapes from? You could honestly you uh, could take, put another 6 to 7 sacks on USC's total this year if it's what like is the total any other quarterback what is the total for USC sacks allowed? Twenty-one. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was gonna say double it up, but that'd be too high. Yeah, I mean that would be down around like uh, LSU range. That's so taking forty, by the way. <laughs> no, I. But yeah, yeah I, mean, I, mean, I think their I think their offensive line is good. They've given but up twenty-one sacks, and Notre Dame's given up seventeen, just for some context. So, as far as Joe Moore award-winning. Um, if, if you want to be a Joe Moore Award uh, conspiracy theorist, um, I mean, USC has a uh, worst-ranked rushing defense and has given up more sacks than uh, – or worst-ranked rushing offense and given up more sacks than Notre Dame. Notre Dame's not Joe Moore Award finalist. Well, they're ranked higher. They certainly they are ranked higher. And they haven't yeah. been in this position. Like, like there is a – I don't know if you guys feel it, but I kind of feel like there is a genuine push from media members to make USC relevant again. Especially after that UCLA game. Like, they really want USC. And I don't blame them. You the can West write Coast, 100, 100 stories about USC. I I, I think it's there's, there's just a little bit of um, – um, there's a little bit of bias, right? There's there's a it's an it's an they're not thinking. Uh, what do I want to say? Unconscious bias, but there is just sort of a this is an easier story for me to cover. There's so many angles I can play this from, um, sort of thing, right? Yeah, I mean it's like like I was all in on there. The, I was all in on the Feldman the theory, which is like Feldman's like, look, it's great that they got all these skill players for offense or whatever, but I, I watched the last game of the season. I was in person and I, this team, this team's defense sucks. Like this is going to take a lot right. more to turn the ship around than just like nine awesome dudes on offense or whatever. Right. Well, so I guess, I guess my, sure. my point is, is that, is that the, 
I don't know, maybe, maybe the, maybe it's the media, maybe it's just fans. Somebody needs USC to be good because somebody needs the West Coast and the Pac-12 to be relevant. And Oregon just isn't cutting it. Like Oregon, Oregon just isn't interesting enough for, they're not sexy for somehow with all the uniforms, all that. Oregon has just never been a team that has been able to reach the level of SC that, that a USC has been. When was the last time Oregon was good? I mean, but, you, but I mean, USC is a blue blood, you know? I mean, so that's, that makes a huge difference. So like people want the blue bloods to be on that level. I mean, there, there are people that, that we think hate Notre Dame, but they still want Notre Dame to be up in that mix because everybody wants the blue bloods up where they belong or where they say they belong. And then they, I don't know. I don't know. And so right now, I just think, I think SC is really getting that, that treatment from a lot of people where they, they're good this year. There's no doubt about that. They are a good football team because they are winning games, but they might, might be a little bit of exaggeration about how good they are. And there's a blind spot to that because the college football just needs them to be better than what, than what they've been. Like they, we really do need, better teams on that side of the country and definitely somebody that's not in the sec or big 10. I, it's just, it, so they're getting that benefit. Yeah. Cause if, if you're looking at Oregon, the last time that they were legitimately good was what? 2014 with Mariota. Yeah. And we went to the playoff and lost. And like the, I said, the they're not, they're not a blue blood. They're not a blue blood program. And so there's only so much there's only there's only a certain height they can get to until they start rattling off a couple of championships. Like Oregon and Clemson are very similar, and the only way Clemson was relevant was and I hate using the word relevant, but it's just it just makes sense to use it in this context, I guess. Was they were relevant because they were winning national championships, they were getting in the playoffs. Oregon has not been. And so when you're on that same level, like where you really need to like outdo the blue bloods in that manner, they're not doing it. So, so what they're doing, no one really gives a shit about. That's that's part of the curse. And plus, you know, it's part of that thing where your games are late at night. People are people have been watching football since noon. They're not sickos like us that are staying up till one thirty two a.m. watching the games. Big Ten and conference should help. With that. Oregon takes. Oregon takes that brunt of it, and oh, by the way, Oregon doesn't have an intersectional rival like like USC needs Notre Dame as as much as anything else. They need that out of conference, not just out of conference game, but they need like that that kind of national attention every year to to keep their to keep their image up. I mean, again, we just have to look back at USC's last Heisman winners. They were all people that won their games on the backs of a Notre Dame loss. I mean, it's just that game matters to them in ways that that just people don't talk about as far as the media attention and, and the hype and the love from voters. They need that game. Oregon doesn't have that. They had or they had Georgia and Georgia beat the dog shit out of them. And Oregon so forgot about like people just don't even think about them getting their asses kicked by by Georgia anymore, which is just fucking crazy. Yeah, the, the, the erasure of the first game of the season is, uh, it's getting out of control. Yeah, it's, look, your first game of the season has to matter. 
It has, it has to matter. Do we get, do we get the benefit of that? <laughs> Can we erase the Ohio State loss? You know, if Notre Dame was undefeated, they would have erased it. Yeah. They would have. You're right. They did with Michigan in 18. Because they, be, oh, that, Michigan's a better team. Well, and the thing is, too, is because Michigan went and rattled off a bunch of wins Ohio, on some, yeah, Ohio some State beats slots. Michigan. Then it's like, the it's game, like they've done all season this. Year. If Ohio State beats Michigan by season's end, then the game truly gets erased because Ohio State's in the Big Ten championship, pummels the shit out of whoever it was in the in the West, and is an eleven and one Big Ten champ. Did I do that right? Yeah, and or twelve and one Big Ten champ, and then Notre Dame is uh you know the four seed playing Georgia. <laughs> Yikes! Yikes is right. All right. So before we get to the game picks, I do want to say uh, number one, uh, I apologize to pretty much everybody out there. Uh, I had every intention Monday, Marcus Freeman press conference. Uh, to <laughs> to be in attendance on Zoom and to get my my questions in, uh, I don't I don't ask. A lot. I mean I don't know if I've asked. I don't think I've asked a question all season, um, and that's for that. Look, they got limited time. I'm fine with what's normally getting asked, but there are some things that I that I want to know, and I have my, I have my own story angles, just like every other, um, just like anybody else on the beat that covers them. So money had every intention. But as every, as a lot of you know, well know, this isn't my only job. <laughs> so I uh, I was rough, rough Monday morning. I literally fell asleep in my truck after I dropped the kids off at uh, school. I fell asleep in the truck in my driveway, uh, crawled inside the house, went to bed, got up around one thirty, yada yada yada. Missed the press conference. But I wanted to ask Marcus, and I'm pissed, and I'm just pissed at the beat that no one covers the USC game the way that I want it covered. And that is, if this is Notre Dame's rival, and that's what everyone wants to say, this is it. This is the rival. This is the rivalry. No one covers it like it's a fucking rivalry. Like, it's 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 such a, a second-nature thing to them. Everything, and there is so much to it. But I wanted to ask Mark, like, he talked about, you know, the culture at Notre Dame and building the program the way he wants to build it from, like, in his, not in his image, but... Yes, there was already we already had a a great program when when you know, Kelly had built a great program in Notre Dame before he left, but he had to do things his way and build it, you know, with what how he was going to do it. So I just wanted to know, you know, how how does that extend to this rivalry with USC? How are you going to put your stamp on this? What are you going to ask? Well, you know, what are you going to talk to the players about concerning this rivalry? You played in the you know when one of the greatest rivalries of all the sports in Michigan, Ohio State. You know, there's this great trophy called the Jewel Shillelagh, and we like to take pictures of it, but no one brings it out in the field before the game. Like, no one brings it out. Like, no one makes it a part of the game like like other rivalries and rivalry trophies are. Is that something you're going to change? Like, these are the, these are the kind of questions that matter nothing to what happens on Saturday on the field. Maybe. The questions don't. Maybe what the coach does has some effect. I don't know. But it's also what makes college football fucking fantastic. It's all this little shit that, you know, a lot in the ND beat. And it's 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 not just us. It's the national beat. Starts to, everyone starts looking down on some of these things. And it's like rivalries and dumb trophies and feuds and and just just bitterness 
uh, Pat Narduzzi, all this stuff is what makes college football the greatest thing in the world. And so I wanted to ask him a few questions about, about all that. I didn't get, I didn't get the chance to because I was probably inching towards death. Um, <laughs> so my apologies. Uh, but I just wanted to put, the, I wanted to put that out there. Like I, I didn't, I didn't forget. It was, I tried, I failed. Uh, I'll try again <laughs> next season. I swear to God. Um, but I would like to see, I would like to see how Marcus Freeman handles this because this is, this is one of those games where during the week you put on the tape, you put on the tape of, of the losses, you put on the tape of the wins, you bring in fucking Digger Phelps. It's your last game of the season. You got to pull, you know, don't hold anything back, Dan Fouts. I mean, you got to put it all out there on the table and make the rivalry relevant again. I mean, we've been screaming that for years. We're just been, you know, I've been waiting for SC to be good again, just so this can mean more. Uh, and they have just been shitty. Uh, but I mean, it's like kind of shitty where you're just like, you don't mind because you're getting these wins on them, but you kind of want it to mean more and you want it to mean more and win in these games. Uh, we saw that in 2017, you know, a hyped up ranked SC team comes to South Bend and got their asses handed to them. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. Up until the Clemson game this year, it was the single, like, awesomest moment for me at ND Stadium. Like, it was just so much fucking fun. Like, you just smacked them up, and it's important. So, anyways, I hope everybody is doing your own special things this week. Um, I'm going to try to do some a little bit more on the site, uh, just a little bit extra, uh, hopefully if I don't die. And, uh, cause we need to make this, we need to make this better. Look, the SC people are out in full force. Let me tell you, the, the, the Buttersoft, uh, the Buttersoft pitches on Twitter, uh, they cannot take anything. They are just like flying off the handle. Uh, it's, it's been, it's been fun. Talking about this as a revenge tour. Revenge tour? How about work out people for, are on this? Uh, Winovich. Yeah. I mean, how many people are on this roster that can actually claim revenge? I mean, I made up the number of 18% just because I think it sounded funny. But I mean, Jordan, I may not be off. Right? Jordan Addison was part of that 2020 uh, pit game, right? I believe it's 40 of their, uh, what they bring in, 20 transfers, and then their recruiting class. So it's 40, 40 players, something like that. So so 46% of their, of their team can claim revenge. And Jordan Addison. Right? For 2020. Yeah, Jordan Addison. Okay. Got the, Forty six point two percent. Yeah, that sounds right. So anyways, I don't know. Uh, so and then the the SC writer, I quote tweeted him with that. Then the SC writer comes at me with some stupid thing and I just gave him a, a cool gif. So like, oh I expected a lot more from a blue check mark than just searching the, the gif bar for cool. Like who uses that phrase blue check mark like it means it? Like are you fucking kidding me? That matters to you? <laughs> I can't think of anything more LA than mattering if you had a blue fucking check mark next to your cow. <laughs> I got two of them. Elon Musk could have them back for all I care. I don't give a shit. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. Anyways. Yada yada.
You want to get the picks? Make the make the rivalry relevant. Picks. Let's get the picks. Let's get the picks. Ah, right. he's, he's excited because we got a half hour till midnight. He's excited. Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, <clears throat> I didn't necessarily pick the best games. It was all cool, but it was all pretend. Well, I thought you were going to say, here's the thing, hey. Josh is king. Uh, um, sort of. Well, I mean, for now. Um, you're at 37, 28. Jude's at 32, 33. I'm at 34, 31. So, uh, there's some ground to be made up here. Um, and here's, the th- but here's the thing with this week's picks. I didn't necessarily pick the best games, but I picked the games, um, being rivalry week and feeling a little saucy. I picked games that are relevant to Notre Dame, both for, uh, playoff implications and, um, just for pettiness. And speaking of pettiness, let's start with this first game. And the reason I grabbed this one is because the line to me is absolutely ridiculous. Texas A&M hosting LSU and is only a 10-point underdog. That's a ridiculous line, right? For a 4-7 LSU or Texas A&M team? This is where I tell you that Bill Connolly's uh, controversial SP plus system has LSU winning this game by 9.3 points. Excuse me, what? <laughs> 9.3 points. I mean, are there going to be any fans that show up? Kind of, kind of, kind of 27 to 18. I'll let that sink in for a second. Um, look, I think I'm going to go with the Joshua method of chaos agent, chaos agent, chaos agent. Um, and I'm going to pick chaos Texas magician, A&M. buddy. I want pick Texas A&M because I want weird shit to happen. It's at Kyle Field. Um, let 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 Kelly be sleeping on this one. I just either c- close or um, or an outright win. I don't care. Let's just. Let's blow past. Let's get some people who are ahead of us out of the way. And uh, I want some chaos magic. And I feel like I've, I've been pushing against Joshua for too many weeks, and now it's time to join the chaos magic train and see if it, my luck yeah. can change. So Texas A&M. I mean, that USC, the USC-UCLA game is proof enough. Now, was it 45-42? What was the score? 48-45, I believe, right? Oh, I mean, that's about goddamn. That's about as close as you're going to get. That's a, that's about as close as you can get. So all you got to do, Jude, is what you do is you grab a candle, <laughs> you light it, you go into a dark room, and you stare at the flame until you feel that you can't stare at it anymore. And as soon as you're done staring at it, you just start chanting the score that you want. And you chant it until you can't speak anymore, and then blow out the candle, and then you get, you get your magic. So I've heard the young kids say plug, like a hookup. You know, now their, their, their dealer, their, their source, right? Is the called their plug now? Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Kiki's my plug right. for holy water. She's, uh, <laughs> she, uh, I, I have, I've ordered extra. Um, <laughs> and I will be throwing, I'll be throwing it in the general direction of Jimbo Fisher this weekend. So. <laughs> um, I'm with Jude, man. Line me up. I, I want this. I want this to happen for multiple reasons. Um, I mean, I would really like X and M to be four and eight. That would be nice, but not at the expense of keeping Kelly out of the fucking playoffs uh, for sure. Uh, and this would do it. So, and it, you know, and then a loss 
you know, an LSU loss to Georgia and the SEC championship on top of that, Notre Dame, Notre Dame can, is going to finish ranked ahead of LSU. So give me those swag and Aggies and the 20 people that are going to show up to Kyle Field. What much of a 12th man last Saturday? No, it was not. <clears throat> <laughs> like who was the 12th man in the crowd? <laughs> All right, Brandon, are you going to take the freebie? Uh, I am going to take the freebie because I don't, I don't want to, I don't want this game to be on. It's bad. It's uh, the uh, yeah. FBI, FBI predictor has a seventy-three point four percent in LSU's favor. Yeah, but what's the score? Because I mean, I'm getting ten. I mean, I don't. I I would. It's going to be like a. 23-16 game, maybe? Okay. 10 points, or getting 10. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take, uh, I'll take, I'll take LSU here. I don't like it. I want them to lose so bad. Um, so bad. Uh, but yeah, I can't, I, I don't know what Texas A&M has in the tank. Uh, it would, it would make me very happy, though. Um, the next one is a is another spot Notre Dame can make up, and that is um, Vanderbilt trying to get bowl eligible for the first time since James Franklin. Clark Lee, baby, against in-state rival and Hendon Hooker list Tennessee. Vanderbilt is a fourteen point home dog. Josh Hendon Hooker's your boy. Is Tennessee going to be yeah. able to cover the spread without him? I mean, let's be honest. Vanderbilt is not a good football team. <laughs> I don't know if they can exploit, you know, exploit the the hookerless uh, Vols. I mean, I think Tennessee will be fine. I really want this. Uh, for so what? What is Tennessee without a hooker? I I want it for our <laughs> friends over at Anchor, over at Anchor of Gold, uh, our Vanderbilt friends uh, on SB Nation. Uh, I, I want it for them badly. Uh, I own uh, three pieces of Vanderbilt gear from Home Field Apparel. Uh, I would love for this to be for them to beat this. You know, when it gets the spread and just win outright. Uh, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I can't. I can't, I can't do it. Yeah, I, I, I'm with Josh. But there's levels to this, right? There's levels to the insanity. Like part of us can talk ourselves into, you know, Texas A&M keeping it within ten points against LSU, but I think even without Hooker, Tennessee is still built to to dismantle this Vanderbilt team, and I think to, 14 points simply is just not enough. I feel confident that Tennessee will cover and so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna follow you know that Tennessee Tennessee's gonna need to like beat the shit out of Vanderbilt. Like they're gonna like I mean they they really don't have they have no hope for the playoff. Yeah. I would I'd actually be surprised but at least but it takes Vandy here, but we'll see, I guess. Uh so in Consecutive weeks, Vanderbilt has beaten number 24-ranked Kentucky, 24-21. They've beaten Florida, 
21-24. Can either of you name me the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Volunteers? Joe Milton. Michigan legend. Uh, Peyton Manning. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's Joe Milton. Joey, Joey Milton, um, who isn't very good at playing quarterback, man. He wasn't very good at Michigan. He wasn't very good. He hasn't been very good at Tennessee. Um, so if you're telling me that a, a Vanderbilt team that's done a pretty good job defensively the last two weeks against um, mediocre SEC opponents is going to play a suddenly mediocre SEC opponent, because let's be honest, Tennessee's kind of mediocre if it's not for Hennon Hooker. It's not their defense that's very good. It's not their offen- defense, offensive line that's very good. It was Hennon Hooker that was very good. So without Hendon Hooker, I'm taking Vanderbilt. I don't think they're going to win, but you're going to be two touchdowns. Um, the worst I get a push. All right. Give me Vandy. Um, <clears throat> this is the ultimate wish cast. Penn State hosting Michigan State. Minus 18 point favorite. We're not allowed to have nice things. So that's in Penn State when they play trash teams, trucks them. Um, so I just think I, I think the wheels are kind of falling off a little bit for Penn or for Michigan State. Uh, they don't have a field goal kicker. They don't have a field goal kicking operation. Um, the loss last week, just choking it away against the quarterback that completed two passes. Um, I I think Michigan State is in need of a assistant coaching overhaul. Um, I think Tuck's coming to a losing season. So I I want to pick Michigan State because I want it to happen, but uh, I I ultimately think Penn State covers this line because I think that trashing trash teams is what Penn State's good at. I mean, this is forty two fourteen written all over it, right? Like. Talk to me. I like. I have been burned by this Michigan shit, Michigan State team all year, and there's just no way I have any faith in them covering. What is it? Eighteen points against. Michigan yeah, eight, eighteen against, points against Penn State. Yeah, I'm sorry, Penn State. They're going to do what they need to do, and I would love for them to to stumble here, but it's not going to happen. So. Penn State's winning this football game, but 23 20. 23 20. Right. So you think uh, Michigan State keeps it close, but ultimately uh, Penn State. Um, do you? Well, I, no, I think it was, I think you're going to, I think Michigan State, I think you're going to see a, like the last desperate throws of the season. Like they're gonna, I think I think Michigan State will rise to the occasion, and then fall flat on their face in the second half, and ultimately lose the football game. Eighteen points is way too fucking many, uh, if that's the case. And so that's where I'm at. I think Penn State ultimately wins, and I think it's a goddamn travesty that they get to walk through this goddamn schedule with nothing to really to show for nothing. it. Nothing other than, I mean, what is Penn State's best win? Uh, what is Penn State supposed to do? They beat Purdue, 35-31. They Purdue. beat Ohio, 46-10. Auburn, 41. And this shit Auburn team, do not mistake them for being good. 41-12. They beat Central Michigan, 33-14. Northwestern, 17-7. to 
They beat Minnesota 45-17. India, it, they, they, they did what the committee likes. They're putting up big points. But it's against like shit teams. teams. Yeah. Maryland, Rutgers. Come on. I think, I think, I, I mean, I think there could be an upset of Bruin, but it won't happen. It'll just be a Bruin. And the Brew's enough for, to cover 18 points. Okay. Uh, next one. Um, I refuse to call it by the dumb moniker because it's dumb. Um, Ohio State is playing Michigan in a uh, football game. Uh, one of many that are being played on this rivalry weekend game. This one being not as important as any other. Um, it just, it's a game that Ohio State's dominated over the last two decades. Uh, Ohio State is a seven and a half point favorite over the team directly behind them in the college football playoff rankings. Uh, Joshua, you being from yeah. the state of Ohio and me being from the state of Michigan, uh, I say we allowed you to take first, uh, first crack Perfect. at this one. Guys, appreciate that. Uh, look, you're welcome. I, um, I think this is going to be a fun game to watch. I hate I hate myself that I I'm, I always root for the meteor in this game, but um, I I think Michigan is perfectly capable of keeping it within seven and a half points. I think they're perfectly capable of winning this game. Um, I understand that they needed a bailout against Illinois last week to make that happen. This is totally different, um, and I don't I think you just I think this is uh. This has got Michigan coming out party all over it, and so I think that they, uh, I think they cover seven and a half, and I think they win actually. So. What if I told you Blake Corum can't cut? <laughs> like his knee is in a state where he cannot cut. We don't know that hundred percent. We don't know that. Can Can I tell you something? He was out delivering turkeys. Can I tell you something? In Ypsilanti. Can I tell you something? <laughs> Not Nipsey. I got my haircut. That would be the right place to do it. I got my haircut tonight, boys. Uh, the man who cuts my hair is close friends with the uh, individual who owns the Little Brown Jug. Not sure if you know of the establishment, but he is a pretty prominent. I know booster, it. Pretty prominent booster for the University of Michigan. Um, like Corum can't cut. He can run straight line. He's going to come out and play. He had one carry in the second half of a close game against Illinois, he cannot plant his foot and cut. He'll play. He'll run straight line. He'll probably go, you know, 18 carries, 100 yards. We're not getting a Blake Corum 45-yard touchdown run. You're not getting 100%. You're not even getting 80% Blake Corum. You're getting like 65 70% Blake Corum. And he delivered those turkeys, but according to what I've heard about how he looks in practice, he's not cutting. So just Joshua, where did he give that his, out there? Where did he give his turkeys out? Uh, there he gave over three hundred of them out. Uh, over there. He he takes his nil money. Like, right. I I want to say this, and you'll know you know this is from the bottom of my heart. I fucking hate Michigan, and I would ne- I would never stand. For any Michigan player, for almost any reason. 
But I kind of like Blake Quorum. <laughs> I do too. And that's why I think, it's crushing I, to me. That I think I, I think I really like him because number one, he seems like a, like a really fucking good person. He's a really good running back, and I really love that he is. He's all that goodness and still cocky as fuck. Like there, there, there is something about him. Like that whole combination just is. That's nice. Michigan fans, you got a good one. Like. Genuinely, if if I am giving him kudos, that dude is uh, special, and that, I mean, yeah, that if he can't go like that, then that is a huge loss for that team uh, because he's a captain too, is he not? Yeah, Brendan. Yeah, it's like what he brings to that to that team is is you know half of what he actually does production wise. Another half, he is a he's a spark plug. He's an emotional leader of the team, you know, he's, he's why they have that weird all season long. It's been the, it's been like the Alabama lean. We've talked about it before where it kind of seems like the team's hanging around. And then next thing you know, they pull up that burst. We sell that happened like uh, Pete Carroll's Trojan teams. It's, it's a lot like that, but with less passing for sure. Uh, but yeah, if he can't go, that's a sad thing. Oh, he'll go. He's going to play. So that's right. You know what I mean? Play. Yeah. If Blake Corum isn't Blake Corum, then it doesn't, you know, then he's not really out there. Yeah, like, he would not just, be Blake Corum. But even with him, even if he was 100% ready to go, I've been, all season long, I've predicted this game. And I've said Ohio State. This, this game is all about pettiness, and especially pettiness between coaches. Like, more so than any other rivalry, the coaches of these two schools really dig down in the mud, which I appreciate because that's some fun shit. And I think Day's pissed about everything that Harbaugh said. He's pissed about getting uh, pantsed up in Ann Arbor. I think they're going to put everything they have in this game. I mean, I'm not a huge Ryan Day fan or supporter, but I do think this Buckeye team is good enough to just fucking go out there and annihilate Michigan in a way that they haven't been touched all season. I think Ohio State wins big. Um, and I'm going to say like, like 18 points. I know it's going to be a little bit rainy, so that should certainly hurt Ohio state. And they are, they are down to backs themselves, but they are, but but Alan Hayton, who was a Notre Dame recruit, not, not committed or anything like that, but it's a name, Notre Dame fans should be familiar with, um, uh, from the same, uh, same area as Kyron Williams. I don't know. I don't think it was the same high school. Now down St. Louis, uh, which is the same area around where Ezekiel Elliott's from, uh, he's a good back too. Uh, they'll they'll figure it out. I I I really think Ohio State's just gonna end up lay, laying the wood to Michigan. Um, and that's not just wishful thinking, uh, but you know if Blake Corum was in this game, they lose by ten. Uh, it's just I just think that it's gonna be one of those things. Like this, it's just gonna go right back to where where we were before uh, Michigan got him last year. Uh, do, how good of a team do you think Michigan really is? Like, How good do you think their defense is? I think their defense is okay. Um, I, I, I think the two the, – here's the things that's going to catch Michigan. Um, Blake Corm, if he, if, he can't, if he can't cut, right, because his knees, like – 
that, that, then, it's like, all, it, then it's all on Donovan Edwards. Then it's in Donovan Edwards. No, because what's Donovan Edwards? Is he healthy? Because he wasn't last week. I think he's healthy. I think he's healthy to go this week, though. Uh, I don't think he's injured. Injured. Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong about Harbaugh's that. not committing on either one of them. He had no update for either one. Um, Edwards has a hand injury. So, I, I mean, if Edwards can't go and Corum's a little bit gimpy, um, J.J. McCarthy cannot, under any circumstances, complete a pass downfield to a wide receiver. Michigan's red zone offense is atrociously bad as far as converting to touchdowns. Um, it's cost, it, it hasn't cost them yet, but this is the game where I think that they're kicking field goals and Ohio State scoring touchdowns and Michigan scores like 19 points and Ohio State scores like 35. Cause, cause that's what's got, like Michigan hasn't been burned by the, like against Penn State in that first half. The only reason the game was close is because they kept kicking field goals. The only reason the Sparty game was close is because they just keep kicking field goals. They're, they kicked three field goals against Illinois because they can't convert in the red zone. And against Ohio State, you need to convert in the red zone and, and they, they just aren't. And so if your running backs aren't great, your, your quarterback can't complete passes downfield. And then, you know, your red zone offense is no good. Um, I, I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, it's the same thing we were saying about Penn State. It's like, who's Michigan beaten? Penn State. Before, who's Penn State beaten? Right. Right. No, I agree. Hey, before we get to the Notre Dame pick, I, I, there's a stat that just flashed and uh, it made me think here. So there was a, Pretty big recruiting loss last last year with uh, Nicholas Singleton, right? Like we we're all pretty like we we're all pretty bummed about that, right? At running back, yeah. And if you're listening to this, you don't know Nicholas Singleton, Penn State running back. On the season, he has 132 carries for 863 yards and 10 touchdowns. Mm. Now you compare that to Audrey Estime. Who has 136 carries for like 798 and 12 mm-hmm. touchdowns? Yeah. So what were we missing exactly? Like just does Sorry. it matter that does it matter that Singleton was a, is a freshman and Esme is a sophomore? Does that really matter? Uh, well, by, what you're missing. And by the is... way, he's he's splitting time with Katron Allen, who's got 135 attempts, so three more attempts, 748 yards, where. Uh, Logan Diggs has got um, uh, 140 attempts for 698. Like this is very similar, very very similar. I just I just wanted to point that out. And oh, by the way, Drew Aller's on the bench when he could be starting in Notre Dame right now. Anyways, everybody got enamored by his numbers against Ohio and Auburn. Which are big, but I mean, his his overall numbers aren't anything better than are anything better than comparable. No, they're comparable. All right. Well, matter at hand. Notre Dame, USC. I've uh, put my thoughts known. I think Notre Dame uh, not only covers the five and a half points that they are an underdog in this game. I think that they win this game outright. 
I think that they probably end up winning this game something like 30 to 20. I like that score. What's the fewest amount of offensive points USC scored this year? Uh, 17 points against Oregon State. State. Okay. And that was again, they had four, uh, they had four turnovers. Um, or USC did in that game too, because Oregon State was starting their backup running back. Oh yeah, watch this game. I remember this now. Jude, I think I, are you getting to a point that I think that you're making? You're about to make? I don't know. What point am I making? (laughs) I mean, Notre Dame's done a pretty good job this year of holding teams below their averages on everything. Yeah, yeah. I was just, I was just wondering if you were fishing around for. Yeah, what's it? What's the average point scored, Brennan? Well, like, it's like forty, forty-two. Uh, just about forty-three. They're averaging uh, forty-two point nine. Wow. So what you should do is take forty-two divided by two. Seven, no, take forty-two and seventeen. Take your average and your lowest. And then divide by two. So you got what, 59? They're so you 20, got about 29 and a half, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, can I get, can I tell you one thing, Jude? Ohio yeah. State's averaging 46.5 points per game. Yeah. Most of the trash uh, schedule, too, though. Here, here's some context for how bad the Big 12 or the Big 12, the Pac 12 defenses are. USC is averaging 42.9, number three. UCLA is averaging 40, number five. Washington's Jesus. averaging seven at 39.8. How does so, this conference have so many teams ranked in the goddamn rankings? Utah's Your at defenses 16. are trash. Utah's at six, half the conference is in the top 20 of scoring. So there's that. Mm. Great conference you got there. So yeah, Notre Dame. Uh, I think Notre Dame wins this game thirty to twenty. I think that they cover it. I think that they just bully USC from uh, beginning to end. I think Caleb Williams, uh, you know, kind of has a scare in us, but I think Notre Dame eventually just um, leans on it, especially with the run and just limiting possessions. A blocked blocked punt certainly is going to help because they're going to have one of those. Um, and I think Notre Dame's able to win this game, probably running for about two fifty, three hundred yards. Is Brandon Joseph back for this game? He is uh, probable. Okay. If what we've noticed from Marcus Freeman is, if he says probable, that's about guaranteed he's playing. If he says questionable, it's pretty much sure that he's not. God, I have no idea. This team scares me in a lot of ways. I don't know, Josh, you're going for the outright win here, I'm guessing. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way. I'm all in, Jude. I mean, I I'm, I am down in that fucking – I mean, come on down here with me, buddy. I mean, I'm down in this hole. Let's have a drink. This is the only game we'll be betting this week, too? Oof. (laughs) Make it mean something. What did I say earlier? Make it mean something. Yeah, like, I'm just wondering if I can, you know, I can do the old take the points in a shootout sort of thing, you know? I just don't know. Like, I... 
if I had to pick a quarterback to come down from 14 points down, I would take Caleb Williams over Drew Pine 10 times out of 10, you know? Why do they got yeah. to be 14 points down? Because weird shit happens, <laughs> you know? Why can't, you, why can't we be 14 points up? Absolutely. But score, the, score, the, score to the opening drive, block punt. Uh, four plays later, we're up 14 nothing. UCLA was up 14 nothing, by the way. <laughs> we're not UCLA. Or you, yeah. We're not because we're not. we have defense, yeah. Exactly. UCLA's defense. Well, that trip out to California has been a bit of house of horrors. And do you think that there's any potential for a letdown game from the emotional highs of that UC UCLA win? I don't actually. I know a lot of people are are, are banking on that a little bit. Man, I feel like USC knows what's at stake here, right? They know yeah, they I, their business. I do not think they're going to come out flat. Or, I don't think we're going to have a yeah. deflation game here. I think they know. I know. I think they they respect Notre Dame, and if even if they don't think Notre Dame's better than them, they know enough to know that they can't just that they're not going to walk all over this team, right? Riley, so Riley's like, been in these games. Before. I like Brendan's punched in the mouth theory, which is like they start getting this game going where they're moving the where they're moving the lines, and all of a sudden USC's going, uh oh, we thought. This wouldn't be a problem because Pine sucks, but now we can't keep estimate, you know, off our backs. All right. Well, I'm gonna take Notre Dame to cover. I don't. I don't know how I feel about the outright win, but you know, since we're we're getting five and a half points here, I'll take the cover at least. We are getting five and a half. Do you think this, Josh? Do you think this line moves down? Uh, I don't. I think it's gonna be probably pretty steady. They. it really opened up at four and a half and it's moved to five and a half um, pretty quickly and it's held steady since. I think it stays there. Uh, Do you think but, it curious that uh, this line is less than the Michigan line? No, because Vegas knows what they're doing. Well, I was just curious. I, again, I just think Ohio State's a better football team So, and it's at home. So I think that that line, that line's pretty accurate. I think that seven and a half, um, despite my prediction of a blowout, I think it's a fairly accurate line. Uh, this one, I mean, this makes, I mean, five and a half makes sense. We were what, four point underdogs to Clemson. Yeah. So now we have all the Clemson history. 3.5. USC's on the on their run. Yeah, I mean, five point five seems right. I mean, the four four and a half opening felt like directly on point, uh, but. That one point isn't uh, doesn't change any of that for me. Cool. It's, it's not like the Texas A&M line. Right? No, I don't know what's happening there. That's wonky. All right. Blessed be. Ah, fucking burn, Troy. All right. Um, all right. Well, let's wrap this up. So, Jude, what do you got left in the tank there, buddy? What was I going to mention? Jeez. Wow. It's been so long, Joshua. <laughs> I don't know. I want to I wish, <laughs> wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. I um, am not a cook by any stretch of the imagination. I don't have any brining techniques like Brennan probably does. Uh, uh, he's a massa. I don't have a specialty recipe. I'm a simple guy who just wants turkey, mashed potatoes, and stuffing. 
And as long as it's not oyster stuffing, I pretty much am okay with whatever stuffing oh. in front of me. Oh, my God, Jude. Have you heard about oyster stuffing? Yes, it's fucking fantastic. Oh, really? Oyster stuffing is king, and you didn't even mention cranberry sauce. I uh, I have my can of cranberry sauce uh, on lockdown. Can? Yeah. Brendan's, Brendan's can of cranberry of sauce, which is delicious. Uh, the person who's talking about who's putting out warnings to people to get their brine in today. Yeah, gotta how, have your how can you not just make make the cranberry sauce yourself? It's so I easy. made it, and it's not good. I like canned Isn't cranberry it? sauce. It's delicious. You, put, you slurp it out of the jar, it goes, and it falls out. You put it on a tray, and you have a knife, and you slice it, and it's absolutely now, delicious. You take one bag of cranberries, one cup of water, one cup of sugar, sugar, and that's, boil. Heap, uh, that's yeah. heaping. That's heaping, by the way. You bring it to You shave a little. You shave a little orange zest in there. Yep. And voila! And it's, 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 it's not it's, great. It's that simple. RTS, bring to boil, reduce to simmer, and you let it go yeah. with the. And yeah. you know you can do a little orange zest in there. I don't want it. Yeah. I want the can that slurps out, and then it just jellies on there. That's what I want. But it doesn't go, it doesn't work. Like, I, dude, I'll eat a can of, of ocean spray cranberry sauce. Don't get me twisted. But, like, when you're sitting down and you're eating your turkey and you got all that, like, the whole berry sauce that you make yourself just works better with the turkey. No, man, I just, I slice it up and then it's there on the plate and I, I put some on my fork and then I, I grab my delicious, my delicious turkey that's got like, 19 pounds of butter underneath the skin and it's basically uh, uh, gushing with moisture and um, I can't believe you it's so good the man man who says he makes the best macaroni and cheese in the entire world is declining I made it one year and I made it the right way and I was like this is this is okay but it doesn't beat the can of cranberry sauce. No, I don't know what it man. is. There's just something about that you, that can of cranberry you just like, I love. You like the line. You like to be able to make the little slices. I love to make the little slices. And you know what? <laughs> I'm the only one at Thanksgiving that eats it, too. That's the other part about it. Like, no one else eats the cranberry I made the cranberry sauce. I was the only one that ate it. See, that's I get how the good can of my cranberry, cranberry sauce. sauce is. People no, weren't we, eating the cranberry sauce. I started good- making it myself because they, they stopped bringing it. We did cans forever. Then they just stopped bringing it, and one Thanksgiving I had a heart attack. I'm like, "Where's the cranberry sauce?" They're like, "Well, nobody eats it." I'm like, "What the fuck?" I eat it. Yeah. So then I started, I started making my own and bringing it. Then everybody's eating it. See, nobody wants it. Everybody in 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 our households, both mine and Christie's, they're all gravy fans, and we, you know, we would do the renderings from the turkey to make our own. Why not both? Why not both? Well, you can't have two sauces. Yes, you can. You really can. That's madness. I mean, people do ketchup and mustard on things all the time. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But those aren't like there chili, is like chili, chili and mustard. I mean, it's not the same thing as like sweet and I guess sweet and salty, but still. Yeah. I mean, I just want my I just want my my canned man. Everybody just wants gravy. Everybody else just like gravies everything, and I I gravy some stuff. But I, I just want that can of delicious cranberry sauce. It's not right. so, cranberry jelly. I don't. Even, I don't even know what it is, man. It's just cranberry. Just a can of cranberry. Jude, Jude are you? You're not, so you're not a fan of the cranberries. 
I just wanted to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving and that you guys all took this in some weird directions for like. Um, <laughs> Dude, buy yourself a can of Ocean Spray canned cranberry. You know like, what, guys? Uh, put it's, some on your turn. It's your 10 turn. after 12. Oh, I'm, wow. happy to, I'm happy to continue the cranberry discussion on Thursday uh, where it belongs. All right. All right. We'll, I will wrap this up right now, Jude. Let's get there you to go. bed, buddy. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody out there. Let's go out to L.A., let's beat these bastards up, and let's let's be real bitchy about our rankings afterwards. Uh, let's go do the thing. Let's bring that shillelagh back home where it belongs. Uh, let's not leave it in L.A. in a box. Uh, and it's all good to go. So, uh, reminder, get those reviews on over to Apple Podcasts. And other than that, for Brendan, for Jude, for everybody over at One Foot Down, thanks for listening. And as always, go Irish. <laughs>